You're good to go? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Cinema Psyops. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly, sleazy, truly and wildistic and generally nauseating. They are unbelievably nauseating. They are the antithesis of humankind. I regard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing to my mind enduring, decent or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody dig a very, very large, exceedingly deep hole and drop the whole bloody lot down it. You know, I think uh, the whole world will be busting through by their total and utter non-existence. Cinema Psyops with Hawks and Matt. Hello and welcome to Cinema PsyOps. I am without Matt once again this week, and I'll tell you what, I'm very happy to not have Matt here because joining me in the studio this week is my lovely bride, Bev. How's it going, sweetie? Hola. <laughs> is that the breath of your Spanish? That's all you know? <laughs> that's all I know. Is hola? That's it? Yeah, that's that, it. That's all you got? Yeah. <laughs> Matt's off a... Of- Beating his meat. <laughs> wow. Just coming out of the gate swinging on that Just one. Kidding. Well, that's he's, all he's he ever... smoking some meat. He's smoking meat. <laughs> he actually is. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> in all the ways that our audience may think that Matt is smoking meat, he is probably doing that. Which is funny because you're joking about how Matt is masturbating, and that's all Matt ever jokes about is how he masturbates while he's on the show. Although some people don't think he's joking, though. They think he's actually doing it. During the show? Like, is that why you had to lice all everything down? <laughs> yes, that's why I wiped everything down. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because he's a filthy, filthy boy, and I don't want, you know, that nasty germ stuff getting anywhere near my wife, so I wiped out everything that he might touch. Cooties. <laughs> Lots of cooties. Or beetles. Huh? <laughs> you know, you don't, you're not going to let me do that transition? No. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> the look of disappointment on your face was just hilarious. That was bad. That's I know. bad pun. I might cut it out. I might not. I might just leave it in. All right. We'll see. So we're doing another episode of our couples therapy. And uh, this week, a movie that we both love to watch together. And as a matter of fact, a movie that we just got done watching together. Yep. All all snuggled up with the cats. Beetlejuice. Yay. (laughs) Now, when was the first time that you saw Beetlejuice? Can you remember? No. What year did it come out? Uh, Like 85, 86, I think. I'll have to look that up. Well, I was barely like two years old. Oh, bull. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you and I are not that far apart in age. No, we're exactly a month apart, Court. You know this. But you are older. <laughs> oh, yeah. By a little bit. Beetlejuice came out in 1988. Okay. So we would have been about nine. Okay. I don't really remember the first time I ever watched it. <laughs> really? This is one of the first ones that my parents actually brought us to the movie theater to see. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. I don't know why. I have no clue what made my mom and dad decide that we should go see this movie. How far is the movie theater from your house? Uh, you guys have to, like, pack a lunch to get there (laughs) well it's kind of like playing organ trail some of us might have died of dysentery on the way there (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it was the small movie theater that's just uh, 15 minutes away in that, oh, that smaller town. Yeah, it's not like the, the big sojourn where you have to take a 45 to 50 minute drive yeah. just to get to the multiplex to see certain movies. Yeah. So my childhood was a lot of it was video store stuff. We didn't really go to the movie theaters very much. And when we did go, it was a very special, very wonderful occasion for us. Yeah. <laughs> and one of those times was Beetlejuice. The other time was um, we all went to see Roger Rabbit actually together in the theater when that came out. And so I have very fond memories of seeing Beetlejuice in the theater and my parents did not like it at all. That's a big shocker. <laughs> when we were Why kids. Why not, Court? I don't know, but I fucking loved it. I think my sister might have liked it, but I was in love with the film. I, I loved it ever since then. Yeah. The very first time I saw it in the theatrical run in 1988. Although it could have very well been 1989 by the time it actually made it to my small little shithole town. <laughs> About the time that movies started hitting dollar theaters everywhere else in the country, that's when it finally came to my town. Yeah. And you would get a chance to see it. I'm pretty sure I didn't see it in theaters, but... Did you catch it on HBO or was probably. it like a video rental? Yeah, it was probably HBO, I bet. It was on HBO all the time. Yeah. One of the jokes about HBO is either, hey, Beastmaster's on or, hey, Beetlejuice is on. <laughs> <laughs> I love both those movies. <laughs> I love that you love Beastmaster. I I think we'll have to do that as another couples therapy. Yeah. Like, I'm still shocked to this day I that you I remember like that, that one, I think, more in childhood than Beetlejuice. I yeah. Think. Well, it was on TBS a lot, too, when we were kids, so we used yeah. to call that the Beastmaster station <laughs> because of that, because it was always on, on TBS, so. That's funny. Well, we're not talking about Beastmaster. We're talking about Beetlejuice here this week, so let's uh, take a little break here. We'll play a promo for another podcast. We'll have a little bit of music from Beetlejuice, and when we come back, we'll have the trailer. My life fades. The vision dims. All that remains are memories. I remember a time of chaos, ruined dreams, wasted land, but most of all, I remember the podcasts, the man we called Witch. To understand who he was, you have to go back to another time, a time when the doomsday clock ticked ever closer to Armageddon. You can still find The Witch vs. The Doomsday Clock Podcast by searching for WYCH on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Memories may decline, but movies live forever. Daylight come and me won't go home. Work all night and I drink a rum. Daylight come and me won't go home. Stack banana till the morning come. Daylight come and me won't go home. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight come and me won't go home. Come. Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight come and me one go home. Live six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Daylight come and me one go home. Six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Daylight come and me one go home. It's going to get stuck in your head. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, um, where'd this song actually come from? 
Like, it probably wasn't popular until it was actually in this movie. Not necessarily. Harry Belafonte, the guy who sings most of the Calypso-style music that's in this, it had its moments where it was pretty popular. Yeah. And I think it's just that just goes to show you how kind of outdated the Maitlands are, that he's really big into Harry Belafonte in the 80s. But I think it fits them really well, you know? Although the Deo and some of the things that they're talking about there feels kind of like cultural appropriation and inappropriate. But no, Harry Belafonte had a pretty big career. I think he was even in a couple of movies, too. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I think it was um, The World, The Flesh, and The Devil, I think was. I can't can't remember the name of it, but I think it was that story where it was like a, the world has basically everybody dies for one reason or another. And there's two or three people that are left on the planet and they kind of cross paths. And one of them is Harry Belafonte's character. And they just kind of find a way to try and survive together or something like that. Does he sing the song during that movie? He does sing. Um, he's doing some kind of thing where he's like digging a trench or something like that. I can't remember exactly what he's doing, but he sings something along those lines like a working song oh, that's cool. while he's doing that that work. And he had an amazing voice. That guy could really belt. He ended up on The Muppet Show too. And you got to be known to get on The Muppet Show. Like when it was on broadcast, he did, he performed Deo on The Muppet Show too. So there's that. Okay. <laughs> Take it back then. <laughs> I think he even performs a little something something in this trailer. From the director of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Adam and Barbara are ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving. They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic. So they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Who's no ordinary ghost. Yeah! You don't want his help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? Now, the party's over. You want somebody out of the house? I want to get somebody out of your house. <laughs> but the fun has just begun. It's showtime. Learn to throw your voice for your friends. Butter party. <laughs> Not bad. This is amazing. You want a cigarette? Oh, no, thank you. Yeah, here I come, baby. He's guaranteed to put some life... Attention, King Workshoppers. ...in your afterlife. Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Okay, a little background on Beetlejuice just before we get started. He was actually named after the star Beetlejuice, which was the ninth brightest star in the night sky at the time and the second brightest in the constellation of Orion. That's why they spelled it that way, the B-E-T-E-L-G-E-U-S-E, all through the movie, on all of his advertisements, on his grave, all the signs that point at him, everything is spelled that way. But the bigwigs, the people that were behind the movie Beetlejuice, didn't think that anyone would know that star name. They assumed everybody was automatically stupid and that they wouldn't know how to pronounce it. So they changed it to Beetle as in beetle and then juice is in breakfast fruit drink <laughs> yeah i guess i never noticed that i mean i noticed it in the movie that it's not spelled like that but i never noticed that the title is spelled spelled different yeah they, they spelled it beetle juice so people would know the name of it but he's actually named after the star There's hollywood a, well yeah and i mean let's face it i mean at the time that this movie came out i fucking didn't know about Beetlejuice. no the only reason i learned about it is later on from reading the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and they talk about Ford Prefect being from a planet in relation to Beetlejuice or something along those lines. They mention it, and I think they spell it out there as well. So, hmm. <laughs> all right, so let's get into the movie here, huh? Yeah, that's what we're here for, right? <laughs> You're like, yeah, the sooner you get this over with, Court, the sooner we can make steak for dinner. Steak and wine. 
<laughs> and shrimp. Shrimp. <laughs> All right, so the film opens on what appears to be a flyover shot of a small country town in a sort of mountainous evergreen countryside. You can kind of see a car driving off in the background, so you know the very first shot is of the actual town. When it first opens up, there's not the model shot just yet. It crossfades twice from that, and the very first crossfade is part of the model because you see people standing out there by a car, but they're not moving, and if you look close enough, like on the Blu-ray when we were watching it earlier, I noticed that they look like little plastic figurines. They didn't look like actual people because they weren't moving. So I think on the first crossfade, it goes into one part of the model. Then the second crossfade, you get a second shot of the model. And I think the reason why they recreated the town like they did is to use it later on when someone's supposed to be in the model, they could actually shoot them in the town and then match it up and it would trick your eye that what's going on back and forth, which is actually pretty ingenious. On the second crossfade, we definitely know we're in the model shot for sure because you can make out the fake grass and everything. Then it heads towards the Maitland's house and then the music crescendos as a big fucking spider crawls over top of the house and just kind of hangs out there. Yeah, I don't know what kind of spider it is, but it's too big. <laughs> too big. <laughs> it creeps you out every time, too. Yeah, I'm like, ah, I even know it's coming, and I'm like, no, don't touch it. <laughs> right after the spider comes up over top of the house, we see Tim Burton's credit, which pops up, and then we see Alec Baldwin scoop up the spider and basically say, ooh, that's a big fella. He's handling it like it's no big deal. He's not terrified of it at all. Yeah. It's clearly not a very poisonous spider then or one that's really deadly to people. Yeah. And it seemed pretty gentle. It didn't even seem to care that he was handling it. No. But it still it's creeps a, you out. It's a trained spider. <laughs> trained spider. <laughs> and then he tosses it out the window from the second floor of the house. And we were speculating on whether or not the spider could survive that drop. Yeah. I mean, they don't like just land on their feet. Kind of... <laughs> They're not fucking cats, no. Yeah. I was kind of thinking in the back of my head when you asked me about that. I'm like, he probably made a parachute out of spider webs like you see it. Spider-Man do. <laughs> but I don't think awesome. that would work. No. More than likely, he just tossed it onto the roof and let it go that way. But what's to stop it from going right back into the attic? Yeah. <laughs> oh, whatever. So he tosses it out the window, and Gina Davis pops up around the corner to surprise him, and that leads to our very first clip. Looks great. Thank you. Happy vacation, honey. Mm. Manchurian tongue oil. Where did you get this? Helen got it for me in Oslo. Well, there's enough here to do the whole table and the bureau. Nah. Hmm. I wonder what this could be. Oh, honey, got it. Thank you. There's enough there to do the entire guest room. I'm so glad we're spending our vacation at home. I'm going to get started right away. Oh, hey, where are you going? Wow. I'll get it. Be my guest. I'll just get the... <laughs> Maybe you should get it. Okay. okay. No. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Jane. It's your turn, honey. Hi, Barbara. Hi. I'm glad I caught you. I heard you were on vacation. That's right, Jane. Complete vacation. Honey, today I'm $260,000. No, Jane. It's 6.45 in the morning. This offer is real from a man in New York City who only saw a photograph. Jane, don't send people photos of our house. Want to bring the wife and family up here for some peace. Why? That's exactly what we're looking for. But Barbara, this house is too big for you. It really ought to be for a couple with a family, you know? Oh, Pumpkin, I didn't mean anything. It's just that, really, this house Jane, is too big. I'll see you in a few weeks, okay? Okay. Right. Take care. I was just telling Barbara about this offer on the house. No, Jane. Barbara, come with me down to the store. What for? I need a new brush for this tongue oil, and I want to get a part for the model. Well, you just run in, okay? 
Well, I think that really establishes just how happy of a couple that they are and how in love they are, where they're pulling each other onto the couch and kissing and they're so matched up perfectly because all the stuff that he wants to do and they're basically they're inventors of the staycation. Yeah. <laughs> they decided to stay at the house and fix it up. And he was really excited about this Manchurian tongue well oil or whatever it was. Yeah. Apparently it's very rare and someone picked it up for them in Oslo, like in Norway. So apparently it's extremely rare for him to be able to get a hold of it. But it's some kind of a finishing thing that he can use to do all of the woodwork around the house. I have no idea, honey. <laughs> you, did, you did more research on that than I thought you were going <laughs> to. No, I'm just no. guessing. That's all in the clip. That's all they said that, that she picked it up. Now, this lady that's always trying to sell their house is, uh, is it Barbara's sister? Is, you think she's Barbara's sister? I think she no, is. No, I think it's like a cousin or something. I don't think it's a sister. I think she says later on that she was the sister, but I don't know if she's Barbara's sister or if she's uh, Adam's sister. I, ca I can't really ever make that out. But I know that they're related in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. You know, if someone's sending photos to my house and trying to sell my house out from underneath me, they're not going to be my family member for very much longer. They're going to get disowned. I know, that's pretty rude. That's fucking ignorant. I mean, yeah. I know she's trying to get a lot of money for the house, and she obviously could get a lot of money. It's a really big, beautiful house, but still, like, don't fucking try and sell someone else's house out from under them like that. That's just fucking rude. Yeah. All right, so with that, we actually see them head on down to the store that they were talking of, and it turns out that they actually are the owners of Maitland Hardware. They own a hardware store, which explains why they're so handy and like to do fun things around the house like wallpaper and mantra and tongue well oil. I didn't mean them from close the doors for like two whole weeks. <laughs> what are the people in the town going to do? <laughs> for their hardware? Yeah. The hardware store is closed for two weeks? Yep. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, like they close the store down for two weeks while they're on vacation. Like, what are you going to do? What, what if you need a plumbing fixture or... Yeah, I'm sure they have somebody working there. I'm just, you know. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. It seems like the store was closed down. Well, it's, was it 6.30 in the morning? Hopefully they weren't open yet. But. <laughs> yeah, even though he's running down there. And why are they up so early and doing stuff? Why are they so proactive in life? Jesus. <laughs> We're on vacation. We're sleeping until like noon, even if we are doing something around That's the true. house. <laughs> Fuck that, Maitlands. <laughs> <laughs> so they're heading on down to the store, and on the way down there, they're talking about trying to start a family again. So apparently there's a problem with the fertility between the two Maitlands. They want to have a family, and clearly I think that, at least for Gina Davis's character of Barbara, she seems like she really wants to have a child but is unable to do that. And the fact that Jane is poking her nose in here and all of that, Jane's just a fucking nosy bitch. And trying to sell a house out from underneath them. Yeah. I don't like Jane. I never like Jane's character. I hate her automatically. I really don't think that she's like a sister. I think she's a cousin. I'm pretty sure she's a sister. I think she says so later on, but she's definitely a relative of some sort. I'm going to fight you on this. I don't <laughs> believe it. You don't believe that she's, uh -huh. a, she's a sister? All right, no. well, once in the clip, I'll point it out. All right. I don't think it's anything worth fighting over, though. <laughs> it's not time to get I'm the... I'm walking out. It's not time to get the knives out just yet, sweetie. Okay. And I love the part when they pull up to the hardware store where the old barber's just kind of sitting out there babbling with Adam. Like, he's kind of babbling just with anyone that's going to listen to him regardless. Yeah. He says hello to Adam, and he tells him this long freaking story while Adam runs into the store to pick up all this stuff. Yeah, about a guy that has hair down to his shoulders and was like, I don't care. I can't remember what he says. Is that written down? It's, he gives the time that it was like in the 60s and the guy's got hair down to his goddamn shoulders or something like that. Yeah. And he says, just trim it a little. Like he's super upset that he won't yeah. let him cut more than just trimming it a little. <laughs> <laughs> like he's, he's a barber who's really upset at the length of someone's hair. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the whole breadth of the story is yeah. somebody showed up in town once with hippie hair and he did not like it. Yeah. <laughs> so on the way back, the Maitlands swerve 
to miss a little dog. When they're driving down to the store, you actually see the dog cross the road and they have to avoid hitting him there. So that little dog is like trying to get the Maitlands hurt in some way, shape, or form the entire movie. But they swerve to miss him just heading off across the bridge to head back to their house. And on this swerve, they end up crashing right through the side of the covered bridge. And then they plummet to their death when that same little dog jumps off the board that he was the counterbalance of. They could have so lived if they would have just hit the damn dog. Yeah, you just hit a dog. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, I would have swerved to miss the dog too, but yeah. you know. I just really like the Maitlands and I didn't want them to die so fast. But that's the, that's the nature of the story. We're talking about ghosts here. So right. it didn't look like it was enough of a height to actually kill them. So we were both kind of speculating what, that they got knocked out and then drowned or? Yeah, they had to have been like knocked out by the fall and then drowned. I don't know. They were both wearing seatbelts though. But I mean, that doesn't mean that they couldn't have gotten knocked out. I mean, I've been in a car crash where I hit my face on the freaking steering wheel, even though I was wearing seatbelt. Yeah. But it was probably enough to keep me from when the car went upside down, that one crash that I had from getting killed that way. So I kind of wonder if like them falling upside down, if they slid out of the seatbelt enough or if it was just enough to knock them out or it just basically they were trapped in the car when it was upside down. And since they went head first into the water, they just drowned. Yeah. I kind of like in the movie that they don't actually show any of that. Yeah. You just see the car go in and that's it. Yeah. They do kind of allude to it and later maybe, on, too. Yeah, and maybe it's the point, kind of like in the story, where it's, you know, they're like, well, we survived that. Obviously, it was just a small little crash. Oh, yeah, where you could actually suspect, yeah. well, maybe they survived it and they did crawl out and walk up to their house. Right. And, yeah, no, that makes sense, actually, that yeah. they would do that specifically to where you think, well, they could have probably lived through that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point, sweetie. All right, so they fade from this to black and then fade in from black on their home as a fire just lights itself on its own. And that actually leads to our next clip. Perfect start to our vacation. Oh, you'll feel better when you're dry, honey. That fire wasn't burning when we left. How's your arm? I don't know. It feels frozen. Well, I'll make some coffee and you get some wood for the fire. Well, maybe we should just take things extra slow. Do you remember how we got back up here? I'm gonna go back down to the bridge and retrace our steps. Oh, you oh, saved my house. Two hours! Oh, Barbara, you are not gonna believe what? That's how long you were gone! What is going on? I have to show you something. Look, there's that, and there's that. A handbook for the recently deceased. Deceased? Deceased. I don't know where it came from. Look at that publisher. Handbook for the recently deceased press. You know what? I don't think we survived the crash. I hate this. Just, can you give me the basics? Well, this book isn't arranged that way. What do you want to know? Well, why did you disappear when you stepped off the porch? Are we halfway to heaven? Are we halfway to hell? And how long is this going to last? I don't see anything about heaven or hell. This book reads like stereo instructions. Listen to this. Geographical and temporal perimeters. Functional perimeters vary from manifestation to manifestation. Oh, this is going to take some time, honey. Damn sandworms, 13%, huh? Well, I better find a job. Let's see, business section. Ooh la la, what do we got here? The make ones, huh? <laughs> Cute couple. Look nice and stupid, too. <laughs> I wish I had a better view of the cemetery from here. I can't tell which is the best placement for us. Cabin fever, hon? Well, I can't clean anything properly. The vacuum's out in the garage and we can't leave the house. Why don't they tell us something? I mean, where are all the other dead people in the world? Why is it just you and me? Maybe this is heaven. Heaven, there wouldn't be dust on everything. It's Jane. God, what's she doing here? I don't know. Hey, Jane, up here! Jane! Can't see you, right? Uh-uh. In the book, rule number two, the living usually won't see the dead. Won't or can't? It just says won't. God, this book is so stupid. I can't understand anything in there. Barb, honey, we're dead. I don't think we have very much to worry about anymore. 
well, that's a little bit foreshadowing, isn't it? That they don't have very much to worry about anymore. <laughs> yeah. That kind of covers a whole lot of ground. I mean, you get to see the first moment where there's some sandworm action when he goes off to that weird place. You just kind of see it in the background until Barbara drags him back up on the porch and complains about him being gone for two hours. Now, they actually establish that ghosts can move physical objects when she picks up the horse and moves it around. Oh, yeah. And then they never use it again. Well, you would think that the Maitlands would figure out that they can move objects that they could start throwing things at the people to scare them away. Yeah, that's true. But the Maitlands are so nice, they can't bother with something like that. They, they're really worried about hurting them, so they want to scare them, but they're too nice to be able to actually be scary ghosts. <laughs> which is kind of cool yeah, and very sweet. Um, so as we see as Jane leaves when she's driving off, there is actually a house that has been sold sign and it looks like it was from her realty company. So yeah. maybe Jane sent the dog to kill her relatives. What? Shut up. <laughs> she trained the dog to keep darting oh, in front of their car. That's not true. <laughs> so they would kill them. <laughs> you don't think, you don't think, no, that's not that kind of movie. $250,000. I think she would do it because she got a hell of a commission on that house. No. <laughs> all right i'm just trying to make it seem more sinister than it is that's if i wrote this movie jane had them killed so she could sell the house and then they got to get revenge on jane before they can actually rest in peace hmm. <laughs> no that's not this kind of movie <laughs> no i'm just saying we also get the first kind of ghost gag in this scene too where they wake up and barbara is floating above the bed and then right until she's woken up and then when she wakes up she falls down and this happens with the arrival of the deets family where the whole house shakes yeah that's pretty funny they kind of inverted the whole haunted house thing because when the living people arrive to the house that's when the house shakes whereas like ghosts would shake the house to try and scare living people off but when the living people arrive the ghosts are being shaken in the house and they get terrified by what happens well, that's funny yep i love the way you laughed when you watched her fall you love like i uh, know you, you love that kind of humor where someone falls and hurts themselves <laughs> it's always funny when someone trips and falls and gets hurt well she's just got the best like reaction to things like her eyes get really big and she you know yeah the, yeah. <laughs> you know that she does. <laughs> yeah, that you know that she does. Yeah, I love Gina Davis and this. this is probably my favorite thing that she's ever done. Yeah. And that's including the fly, and I really love the fly. So Charles Dietz is enamored with the place right off the bat as soon as they show up. His wife, Delia pretty much hates it and doesn't like a single thing about the house. Are you not going to bring up like the book at all? What, the handbook for the recently yeah, diseased? Yeah, never said anything deceased or deceased. <laughs> right. Sorry about that. Yeah. Well, they didn't bring it up at all. Well, yeah, they find the book and they talked about it in the clip. So yeah. what else do we need to talk about for the handbook of the recently diseased? Deceased court. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Well, yeah, it's not very much help, and they even make a joke or a reference that it reads like stereo instructions. Yeah, but at least like they left them a book about something, you know? Yeah. They're not just on their own. Well, yeah, but they kind of are because the book's not very much help, or at least they're not trying very hard to understand what's going on and read it the whole way through. Yeah. You know, but there's no real index. There's nothing that like tells them when they're looking for specific information. It's not like a Tobin spirit guide from Ghostbusters where you can go to a specific page and it's got everything laid out for you for plotline discussion okay <laughs> yeah it's just a handbook for the recently diseased deceased oh sorry <laughs> But yes, Delia absolutely hates the place right off the bat. And then we get a gothy Winona Ryder who probably has the best intro in the movie where she's sitting in the chair making the two movers move her into the house. Yeah. <laughs> just sitting there just snapping photos and just being all morose and goth and listening to Sisters of Mercy. Oh, didn't you have a huge crush on her when you were a kid? Actually, During this movie. No, right? no. Actually, 
would think that like you know somebody all done up gothy and you know wearing lots of black and everything like that that at the time but no when i first watched the movie as a kid didn't really like her character very much <laughs> i thought like you know, I was like, come on, get over it. You know, why are you being so morose? You know? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. That's shocking. Well, I was nine years old and I was a lot happier then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, when I watch it later on, I kind of liked her character a little bit more. But no, the person I had the biggest crush on in this movie would have to be... Gina Davis. Gina Davis's character. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Because, I don't know, I've just always kind of had a crush on Gina Davis, so there's that. And when you put Winona Ryder up against Gina Davis, I'm going to pick Gina Davis every time. That's <laughs> true. Like, even as a kid. Well, there's strong female characters in this. Yeah, there's actually some I mean, really great female characters. Even though Delia is a bit of a fruitcake, I still kind of like how strong and argumentative and just very much like going to do this my way or else kind of. But that's yeah. Catherine O'Hara. I love Catherine O'Hara in everything. She's so great in this. <laughs> She's great in everything she does. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Otho ends up coming in through the window. He climbs in, pulls off like a drape and the shade and a bunch of other stuff and just starts generally wrecking the place inside and out the minute he shows up. Yeah. And that's actually going to be our very next clip. Help! It's Otho. Otho, why don't you just come in the front? Bad luck. Otho, you left the city for me. I am so happy. Of course you are. Delia. You're right. Mm -hmm. Let's get one thing straight. You're right. We're here to enjoy the country setting, <laughs> not to trash the place. You're right. Charles, you're lucky the yuppies are buying condos so you can afford what I'm going to have to do to this place. Also, I'm here to relax and clip coupons. And damn it, I mean to do it. Then go do it quietly, dear, and let Otho and I think. Is the rest of the house as bad as this? Is this a punishment or something? We're not completely helpless, Barbara. I've been reading that book, and there's a word for people in our situation. Ghosts. Julia, let's get this show on the road. We're dealing with negative entertainment potential here. I mean, there's absolutely no organic flow-through. I noticed that, too. It's like a giant ant farm. What? I thought I saw something. You read my mind. I did? So few clients are able to read my mind. They're just not open to the experience. We just have to pray the other closets are bigger than this one. Ooh, look. Ozzy and Harriet. Ugh. What happened to these people? They died. Oh, look, an indoor outhouse. Otho. Viridian. Viridian. Now, why do I know that name? Blue-green. Hydrated chromic oxide. Remember, I'm schooled in chemistry. I was a hair analyst. Briefly. Yeah, deliver me from L.L. Bean. I know what you two are up to, and you're not going to get away with it. Oh, honey, this is not working out at Charles, all. Charles, I will not stop living and breathing art just because you need to relax. Ha. I'm here with you. I will live with you in this hellhole. But I must express myself. If you don't let me gut out this house and make it my own, I will go insane and I will take you with me! Yeah, well, you know, maybe the house could use a little remodeling. Uh, but why don't you just leave this room alone, okay? I'm gonna get her. So? Once you cover up the wallpaper, knock down a few walls, this place might just be livable. What's on the third floor? Attic space. Oh, I forgot to lock the attic door. Did you feel something? When? You don't have a key? Maybe Charles does. I have a feeling there's something very interesting behind this door. Yeah, ghosts of the people who died in this house. They want us out of here. 
So let's do them a favor. I love that little bit that Catherine O'Hara does. The, if you don't let me gut this house and make it my own, I will go crazy and I will take you with me. I know. I always want to like deliver that line, but I think he's the only one that can ever do that. You actually so did great. deliver that line to me. I don't know if you remember this or not. When we were working on this house before we were fully moved in and we, because it needed a lot of renovation. There was a lot of stuff that needed done. You know, we had yeah. to redo the floors and paint it and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you didn't want to keep the uh, whole mirror wall in our bedroom. Well, there was a. Well, I, I didn't want to do the work of taking it down. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty atrocious, but it had its benefits to have a whole wall of mirrors for the bedroom. No, no it didn't. But do you remember at one point in time we were talking about things that I wanted to keep and things that you wanted to get rid of? Yeah. And then you jokingly yelled that at me. <laughs> if you don't let me gut this house and make it my own, I will go crazy and I will take you with me. <laughs> And at that I point, I was that. at that point, I was pretty much like, yeah, I guess we're going to do whatever you want with this house. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love Charles's reaction to where he's like, maybe just leave me this room. He gets like a study and that's it. That's all he gets. Yeah. He gets one room that will be the same and how he wants it to be. I mean, I'm not a fan of the wallpaper, obviously, but the woodwork that's in the house and yeah. all the exterior, it looks like the Maitlands have been fixing this house up for a while. Like maybe they bought it, I don't know how long ago, but they've been kind of slowly but surely renovating and repairing the house to their taste. And it looks like they're actually trying to make it a little more traditional and a little more how a house that was built in the era that this one was built in would kind of look both inside and out. But it clearly needed a paint job on the outside. It was kind of falling apart. Yeah, and rough. they need some work. Yeah, on the outside, but the inside of the house was coming along really well. I mean, like, again, I don't like the wallpaper, but, you know, I don't think that they needed to do what they were going to do to the house. I think they made it much worse. Yeah. <laughs> it was terrible what they did. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, as we already kind of talked about, Charles is attempting to relax all this time, and Barbara and Adam have to endure this invasion of their house and basically having everything in their taste ripped to shreds. Like, just talked about how terrible it is. They talked down about the house. They basically belittle the people who had it i think the line that goes way too far is when she walks through the bathroom and says oh look an indoor outhouse yeah i know it's an older bathroom but man that bathroom was humongous it was beautiful oh, bigger than ours <laughs> most of that bathroom is bigger than our whole house <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's true but yeah i mean it's a really big it has an old school tub that everybody usually loves too like the really big one even if you renovate the plumbing around it i mean most people would keep a tub that size yeah and you know just like really dig that classic tub look you know there are people that salvage those things for a lot of money and pay a shitload to get them repaired. Yeah. And they just piss all over it, basically, while they're walking through. And I hate Otho. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, Catherine O'Hara's character is trying to, like, I don't know, impress him. Yeah, you get that feeling that Catherine O'Hara, her character, while she's strong and very opinionated, also seems to be where if they're in a certain standing in the art world that she's with, or they're, you know, like, the hip and trendy people. Like, she wants to be hip, she wants to be cool, she wants to be trendy, because she feels like that's the only way her art will mean anything to anybody yeah and her art is terrible can we just talk about how bad that is what? be careful that's my sculpture and i don't mean it's mine i as i bought it i mean it's mine as and i made it she's like yelling at the fucking moving guy and he's just like looking at her like uh-huh i don't care and she's just put it on the table and he just tosses it on there yeah that's still kind of messed up one artist to another that's kind of it's messed up that he treated her art in such yeah. a way but her art is garbage <laughs> Her sculptures are garbage. <laughs> I'm not saying anything about that. <laughs> not on my account. Not my taste. Yeah. The invasion of their home and basically the talk of how they're going to destroy it all, it is way too much. And this just basically puts Barbara over the top. I mean, it's bad enough that she's dead, but she has to watch her whole home that they worked so hard to make their own basically get gutted and destroyed as they're there. So she decides to just go outside and Adam tries to follow her. And that's when they land on that like desert 
area or that sand dimensional place. We don't really know what it is just yet. We just know that it's yellow sand and it's this weird Tim Burton-y type shapes everywhere. And I even have it in my notes as the sandworms I wrote is Tim Burton-y type worms. <laughs> he loves black and white stripes, man. He puts it in everything yeah. and on anything he can. It's like claymation too. It was stop motion animation, yeah. yeah. And the tongue of the worm even had black and white stripes. I don't know if you noticed that or no. not. But it basically rears up to go ahead and attack them. And that's when Barbara bops the motherfucker on the nose. And that just basically makes it lose all of its drive. And it's really confused. Like, what the hell just happened to me? Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody's ever hit a sandworm before. Like, I just, it looks to me like it was like, what just happened to me? (laughs) (laughs) This goes to your point, too, where there's a lot of strong women in this film. Like, Barbara does a lot of the fucking handiwork of doing the fighting here. Like, she bops the sandworm where Adam's, like, ducking and, you know, terrified. It's true. Barbara stands up to it and bops it one on the nose and defends her man. (laughs) So, more power to you there, right? Yeah. <laughs> they head to the disembodied door, which is apparently their house. So there's ways in and out of this particular dimension, but they have to stay in their house. If they try to leave it, they end up on another planet or another dimension. Let's just say for now, we know it's another planet yet. <laughs> they get inside of the door just in time, just before they get attacked by the sandworm. And then Barbara ends up losing all hope there and just basically looks like she's distraught of how we're going to live like this for the next however long we're going to be stuck in this house and how can we just watch them destroy the home that we love and while that's happening they cut away to that to seeing the Dietz family eating Chinese food and they seem like they cannot get along it's almost like Charles and Delia are not a happy couple like I don't even think they sleep in the same bedroom I don't know if you noticed that or not yeah I don't know I don't know they don't get along he doesn't really seem to like any of her taste and the things that she wants to do but he's also too terrified of her to stand up to her yeah as you would be it's fucking Catherine (laughs) O'Hara I wouldn't want her yelling at me like that also obviously Lydia, I mean, she's a goth, so I mean, if she's not, you know, constantly listening to Bauhaus or Sisters of Mercy, she's going to be miserable too and upset. <laughs> not that I wasn't a goth at one point in time myself and kind of was in that odds, you know, everybody goes through that period when they're a teenager. Not me. <laughs> no, you listen to gangster rap. That's how you rebelled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, did you notice what Delia had on her head? What was tied around her head as a headband? No. Oh, you did point it out to yeah. me, though. It's a glove. Yeah. She's like, the, the fingers are sticking out and everything. Yeah. I always thought that that was like two gloves that she wrapped around her head in some way or she had stitched together. But I think we'll look at it later on when we see another outfit that she wears. But Delia just decides that she's going to wear things that shouldn't be worn in such a manner yeah. a lot in this film. And I only noticed it this time around when I'm doing the review yeah. part. So. He's artistic, honey. I know. I don't have a problem with the glove headband thing. I actually thought that looked okay. Yeah. You know, but there's another thing that she does later on where I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking, you weirdo? Yeah. Well, and I also <laughs> think that they're in like two different stages of their life. You know, he wants to relax and she wants to create and, you know, live in the city. So I don't know if she necessarily wants to live in the city because she actually found a way where she's like, well, if I'm going to have to live here, that's fine. But I'm going to try and make this like an art center. Like, like she wanted to turn the town into one of those like uh tourist trappy type, yeah. you know, an artistic uh, little getaway where people would drive up and spend the weekend. Yeah. Maybe do like a bed and breakfast kind of thing where there's like a town where they have craft festivals or some shit like that. She was talking about something like that, which is what Charles is like, yes, you should do that because it'll be very time consuming and you won't <laughs> fuck with the house. But no, she wants to fuck up the house before she does anything else because if she doesn't gut this house and make it her own, she will go crazy and take him with her. I would take you with me. <laughs> I got you to do it a little bit at least. <laughs> they actually do talk at some point too where they're trying to decide what furniture is going to stay and what furniture is going to go and you kind of get the feeling that Charles wants to keep it all. Mostly because it's free furniture that 
came with the house and they don't have to spend any more money and yeah he likes it it's comfortable he finds it relaxing and i honestly don't think that he's knows what he wants i think he thinks that coming to this place will help him relax and that he won't be all burnt out yeah you know but he clearly something happened to him that he lost whatever gumption and drive that he had even though that he's a ruthless developer of sorts and that never really goes away in him you kind of see that keep cropping up yeah they cut away from this to this gorgeous house being destroyed by otho we kind of heard what they wanted to do but then you actually see the workmen doing it Ugh. <laughs> i hate the little structures that they put up there i like the idea of the little extended sun porch thing yeah that's pretty cool but like they just have one wall and that's it and then the rest of it is just this open plank there's no railing or anything like that it's just this giant open plank yeah that sticks out modern. to the side they just really modernized it it looks like shitty modern art basically <laughs> looks like shitty modern art and it looks like shitty modern design like they took it and turned it into one of those like concrete form houses that you see in movies and stuff you know where people like pour these weird designs and like the way the house is laid out yeah i just i didn't like it (laughs) i don't like it either yeah, I guess I'm just not a fan of modern art. There's a few things that they did that I did kind of like. Like I said, I like the little porch-like thing, but they didn't. it's not very functional and it's a completely unsafe. I agree. Yeah, it's just kind of irritating. But, you know, the one thing that they did right that was the nice thing is they did paint the exterior. They put new siding on it to clean it up. And then it also looks like they're redoing some of the plumbing a little bit, too. Yeah. Did they add more windows? Because remember how there was, like, no windows? Yeah, I think they may have. Either that or what we were seeing was, like, a fake front on the outside of the house yeah and then you know the actual house with some of the things that they added i really don't know but yeah that's like huge walls and then these tiny little windows in each little portion of the house yeah it's pretty strange for as old as that house looked like it might have been like it makes absolutely no sense because this was the days before electricity that this house was like it was built so where does all the sunlight come in in this place right right how do you get light in there during the day to be able to see what you're doing right it was really bizarre to see that Yeah, maybe we're only seeing like one side of the house, the side without any windows. Maybe the other side. Oh, like the west facing side where you wouldn't really get any sunlight anyway? Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. All right, so Lydia ends up getting pinned down by her own sculpture while the Maitlands find Beetlejuice's flyer and start looking at it and reading it off. And that's one of the flyers actually has the Beetlejuice spelt like the freaking star and not like it is on the rest of the movie's uh, artwork and posters and things. And Charles actually gets his relaxing tea interrupted by... The sculpture first busts through the window of the kitchen when they're trying to load it up oh, yeah. into the house. And that scares the shit out of Charles. And like he falls backwards and that gets rid of his you know stress relief. And then whatever is holding that up on the crane ends up screwing up. And then it drops down and it pins Delia against the wall. And I love that where she's like, this is my art and it is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to die this way or something along those lines. Yeah. I think what she meant was her art was dangerous as in, you know, it scares people. <laughs> but what really is is this is her art and it really shouldn't be hoisted <laughs> up like that that must have been some heavy freaking stonework too yeah do you think she chips that away from like a bigger stone or how do you think she makes it do you think it's molded sculptures that she then fires up yeah i think it's molded i don't know i don't know either like it's really hard to tell it looked like all of them were pretty much miniatures or maybe cast molded anyway to make it look like a stone sculpture when it wasn't yeah so i just don't know how you would create something like that unless you had a big piece of stone that you chipped away from but she just doesn't seem like the type to me to sit there with hammers and chisels no (laughs) 
but we do see later on that she does mold like Beetlejuice's head out of clay too, and then must fire it up somehow. Yeah, she uses her hands. Yeah, well, I can see where she would actually like to live here in the country because she could build a really big kiln and really fire big pieces, mm-hmm. you know, while she's there. Well, that she probably wouldn't be able to get away with in New York City, at least without running space somewhere or something, you know. Yeah. I love that Beetlejuice refers to himself as a bio exorcist, or you know, does bio exorcism where he gets rid of living people. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that's the way they, they spelled it too because, you know, they, they can't pronounce it at first. That was actually, I think, a joke that the crew ended up making because okay. the studio was afraid people wouldn't be able to pronounce it. So they have him say Beetlegeist instead of Beetlejuice. Yeah. You know, just to kind of reference it, you know. <laughs> at least I think that might be what it is. But, you know, I think the studio kind of had it right. I don't think most people would know that Beetlejuice is a star. Right. You, you know what I mean? You would have to try and explain it to people like in your trailer or whatever. <laughs> Something along those lines. All right. At some point, uh, Jane ends up driving up and talks with Lydia and gives her a skeleton key to the house. And while this conversation is going on, Lydia ends up looking up into like the parapet part of the house, the very top part where the attic is. And she can actually see the Maitlands for a brief moment. So this has her take that skeleton key and head for the attic with the skeleton key. And that actually leads to our next clip. <laughs> trouble with a living? You're tired of having your home space violated? You want to get rid of them pesky living critters once and for all? Well, come on down and see me, folks, because I'm the afternoon's leading bio-exorcist. Yes, there is. Come on down here, and I want to tell you, I'll do anything. I'll scare them real bad. The point is, folks, I'm going to do anything to get your business. Hell, I'll possess myself if I gotta. Whoa! Yo, I got demons running all through me. All through me. Come on down here and see it. And hey, Jack, now, you get a free demon possession with every exorcism. Now, you can't beat that, can you? Now, bring a little parts down here. Hell, we got plenty of snakes and lizards for them to play with. There's no problem with that at all. So, see it once, see it twice, third time the charm. And remember, I'll eat anything you want me to eat. I'll swallow anything you want me to swallow. So come on down now. Chew on a dog. Oh! I need some help. I read something in this book this morning. Emergencies. Uh, here it is. In case of emergency, draw a door. Draw a door? I don't know why we keep looking in that stupid book. Hey, maybe we should try that beetle guy. Oh. You didn't actually think that was going to work, did you? Aha! Knock three times. Get it. Dad! Can't you see I'm relaxing in here? Well, I want to tell you what I saw. What is the point of my coming up here if you people won't let me relax? I can, sweetheart. Go help your mother. Maybe you can relax in a haunted house, but I can't. Mm, nice building. Bad roof. Good parking. Oh, Adam? This way, honey. You don't have an appointment, do you? Well, we didn't know how to make one. Appointment for what? What do you want? We need some help. Huh, already? We just bit the big one two months ago, and you want help. Two months, what does that have to do with anything? You're going to use up all your health vouchers. Denitis. You spend 125 years on Earth, actually in that house, during which you get only three Class 1 D90 intercessions with Juno. You probably haven't even read through the manual completely yet. You'll have to wait if you don't have an appointment. An appointment with who? For Juno, your caseworker. Number 54,601, Fern Dog. Oh, man, I love that part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> The waiting room in the afterlife, like utility world or whatever it is where they're processing people and like the bureaucracy of the afterlife is such a great idea. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> uh, so during this, we actually see Lydia does try to unlock the door to the attic while the commercial ends up hitting. And then the Maitlands end up drawing that door, knocking three times and then heading into the afterlife. And they end up trying to meet their caseworker and they're 
obviously completely unprepared. They didn't take a number. They didn't actually have an appointment, so they're going to have to wait for a very long time. While this is happening, Charles is attempting to relax by watching a bird, but the bird that he sees is a crow and it's looking all nasty and it's eating like like some kind of like dead thing that it found on the post yeah it's like the nastiest looking like crow or raven i've ever seen it's in really bad shape well it grosses him out i think yeah well definitely because he goes Ugh. yeah <laughs> and then right after that that's when lydia comes running in to try and tell him that the ghosts are there and she scares him and then he gets upset yeah now the sweater that he's wearing that sort of red and white christmasy looking sweater in that scene yeah i think it's got birds on it yeah it might be something along those lines but whatever it is it's a red and white sweater sweater it does pop up later in the film and another character is wearing it yeah <laughs> i noticed that when i was doing the notes and then i pointed it out to you when we watched it just before we came here to record yeah, so we i can't believe i never even noticed that there's a lot of stuff that i noticed this time around that i've never noticed before yeah and that's one of the reasons why i really enjoy doing this show because i look at things a lot closer than what i would just trying to watch it Right. For fun. So it makes it a lot more fun to find these little things. I want to talk more about the freaking waiting room. It's just so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love each of the little individual ghosts and the way that they present them. You know right away when you see them how those people died. Yeah. I never actually noticed the one with the shark. Oh, you've never noticed no. the, the surfer with the shark before or no. the scuba diver that had a shark off of his leg? Yeah, is he a scuba diver? Yeah. I don't know. I never guess, noticed that one. What is, there's so much to look at. Yeah, there's the so many of them. Yeah. I've watched this movie so many times as a kid that like I, I kind of really paid attention to the ghosts or the dead people that are in the waiting room. I really like the guy that's in the sleeping bag standing on the wall in the one scene where the rattler is in there in the sleeping oh, bag. Oh, yeah. And- Every now and then the rattler will just rattle. Uh, I think my favorite is the magician's assistant who was cut in half. Yeah. It's a very simple trick where on one side of the couch, you know, her top half is sitting and it's one person with the legs down underneath the couch. And the other part, the half of them that are probably laying down with their legs out. Well, she doesn't jump until the second time they're in the waiting room, No, she's there in the first time. Oh, she? Yeah, Yeah, she's taking up the whole couch, yeah. Been waiting for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) That lady was in there for a long time waiting, absolutely, because she's there later on in the film, too. The guy with the chicken bone in his throat that clearly, you know, choked on that. Yeah. They're all my favorite, but I really love the guy who burned himself to death smoking. Oh, yeah. That's pretty funny. (laughs) Want a cigarette? I'm trying to cut down myself. (laughs) The waiting room is such a great idea, and I think that's what really sells this film with the afterlife. Yeah. I've always wanted to do um, Miss Miss Argentina. Argentina? Yeah, for Halloween, but that's a lot of body paint. (laughs) Yeah, and you'd have to find like a... A special dress just like that yeah. and make yourself the sash. and well, all- That wouldn't be that too much hard work. I think it's the painting, not well, being able to touch anything all would, night. You would have to have some kind of body paint that would dry up that wouldn't yeah. mirror up against anything. Like a rubber mask grease paint that then gets powdered down to make sure that it stays that way. Right. And the shading mm-hmm. on her makeup is really good too because they shade her neck in like a blue where all the shadows would normally be. And yeah. On her arms and everything. Yeah, they her kinda, makeup's really cool. Yeah, they contour her quite a bit to make her look really cool when mm-hmm. she's dead. I like it too. All right. So at some point, Lydia ends up breaking into the attic while the Maitlands are away waiting for their appointment and starts snooping around, looking at the model. And then she even takes a brief look and picks up and starts reading the handbook for the recently diseased. Diseased. It's diseased court. <laughs> Why did I keep writing diseased? I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe because I know it gets on your nerves. Maybe. <laughs> 
The Maitlands continue to wait in the afterlife in this waiting room in this horrid bureaucracy. The other ghosts are just so amazing, man. I can't get enough of them. I want to just actually sit down and talk about each individual little ghost and the makeup and all of that stuff. But everybody's seen this movie. They know what we're talking about. Yeah. We just kind of pointed out the most memorable ones. And I'm still tripping out over the fact that you never noticed the guy with the shark biting his leg before. I know. I, when I saw it today, I was like, why have I never noticed that before? <laughs> yeah. I've been, I was watching them walk in, I guess, not really have their surroundings. Yeah, you know. and this time around, you're looking more at the surroundings yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It helps to see it in high def in the Blu-ray and a bigger screen. Yeah. Yeah. I still can't believe as many times as we watched this in our theater room that you've never noticed that guy before. Nope. Too busy watching them walk in, I guess, huh? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So them back in the waiting room, and because there's always great dialogue in the afterlife waiting room area and in the bureaucracy, that actually is going to lead to our next clip. Is this what happens when you die? This is what happens when you die. That is what happens when he dies. And that is what happens when they die. It's all very personal. And I'll tell you something. If I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have had my little accident. Maitland, party at you. Take the handbook and go to the sixth door. Oh, we forgot our handbook. Come on. All new arrivals report to waiting room number eight. Light 409 is arriving at eight. How do I look? There are no mirrors on this side. Fine, look fine. Yeah? Fine. Thanks, I've been feeling a little flat. <laughs> Will computer system party report to door number nine? Please report to door number one. All new arrivals report to number 125 years. I can't believe this. I can't believe they didn't tell us. Oh, Adam, what is this? That's the Lost Souls room. A room for ghosts that have been exorcised. Good devils. That's death for the dead. It's all in the handbook. Keep moving. suppose we were waiting there three months i'd almost given up on you i was about to leave i do have other clients are you juno our caseworker yes i evaluate individual cases and determine if help is needed deserved and available are you available no what's wrong we're very unhappy what did you expect you're dead we want to get rid of the people who have moved in here barbara and i worked very hard on this house we probably wouldn't mind sharing the house with people who were more like you used to be yes but these people things seem pretty quiet here you should thank god you didn't die in italy Cadizas. okay have you been studying the manual well, we tried. The intermediate interface chapter on haunting says it all. Get them out yourselves. It's your house. Haunted houses aren't easy to come by. Well, we don't quite get it. I heard. Tore your faces right off. It obviously doesn't do any good to pull your heads off in front of people if they can't see you. We should start more simply, is start that? Start simply. Do what you know. Use your talents. Practice. You should have been studying those lessons since day one. Oh, I've got to go. What about that guy in the flyer, you know, Beetle? Don't even say his name. You don't want his help. Well, we might. No, you don't. He does not work well with others. What do you mean? I didn't want to bring it up. But rather than have you stumble onto it and make another mistake, I'll tell you. He was my assistant, but he was a troublemaker. He went out on his own as a freelance bio-exorcist. Claimed he could get rid of the living got into more trouble. In fact, I believe he's been sleezing around your cemetery lately. The only way he can be brought back is by calling his name 
three times. But I strongly suggest that you remove the Dietzes yourselves. Well, how do we contact you if we need you again? Oh, Adam, that guy's in our cemetery. She's right, honey. We just have to keep this simple. We can do this. Come on. We do get kind of a mention in the clip where suicides become civil servants in the afterlife. We get a hint of that. They ask, is this what happens when you die? And then she points out that, no, that's what this is what happens when this person dies and this person and everything else. This is what it's like. It's all very personal. And then she says, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have had my little accident. And she lifts up and shows you that her wrists have been slit. Yeah. And apparently as Miss Argentina... I'm guessing she didn't win the Miss Universe or Miss World or whatever it was contest. Mm -hmm. She may not have been qualified for that and then couldn't handle that and kill herself. And now she's a civil servant working the front counter in the waiting room. That's pretty interesting. I just never really thought about that. And so if you know that knowledge that all the people that are doing this civil service work were suicides in the afterlife, does that mean the flattened guy threw himself in front of a bus to kill himself? And that's why he's all ran over or threw himself in front of a big vehicle to kill himself? Yeah, but like Juno, I mean... Like she, oh, I guess she could have sliced her own throat or it looks like she's had like cancer from smoking. <laughs> well, but, that technically would mean she killed herself, right? <laughs> yes. But I mean, I can say driving a car, you know, you yeah. know the risk. Yeah. Well, no, I think um, the flattened guy and all the people that are working in the office jobs. Yeah. That not like the caseworkers, but like all the people that are there typing the skeletons and clearly the guy that's hung himself that is dropping papers off when they have him on the same line that, yeah. you know, the guy that comes to the door and says Maitland's, you know, yeah, you get the feeling that that guy threw himself in front of a large vehicle to get ran over because he's on the same turnstile thing that drops papers off to people or the paper delivery system that the guy who's hanging from a noose as well. Yeah. And I wonder if all the people that are typing and all of that, if they killed themselves too. I don't think Zuno killed herself, though. I think it's once you're a very experienced ghost, you get this job of where you have to help all these other people. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I I don't really know. Maybe Juno did commit suicide and then she's cursed to be a caseworker in the afterlife. But that would mean that Beetlejuice would have had to as well, because at one point in time, he was her assistant, which she does end up saying. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. And it's just something that kind of popped into my head where I'm kind of wondering how the dynamics of this all work. After this clip that we just played, we end up hearing a fly moving around when the Maitlands are walking downstairs and then the fly ends up landing on the model and is enticed by a Zagnut bar and I'm guessing Beetlejuice drags him down there to eat him. Yeah. And you actually hear the fly say help me, help me, like it's the fly from the old movie The Fly. Help me! Adorable when you do it. So Charles ends up calling Robert Goulet, who is Maxie Dean, although I don't want to call him Maxie. That just feels weird. Maxipad. Is that why you're thinking? (laughs) No, but now I will. (laughs) Maxipad Dean from here on out, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I just don't like the sound of Maxie Dean. It just, Max Dean sounds better to me. Yeah. Plus it's Robert Goulet. So, you know, Maxie and Robert Goulet don't work for me. Yeah. But during the clip, we actually hear him trying to talk him into buying the town. He wants to buy up the entire town to invest in it because Charles wants to do some stuff with it. And as we kind of heard earlier, when he's looking out the window, he notices the town has great parking and really great buildings, but they have no idea what it's worth because they're a small country town in Connecticut. Right. So the developer in him hasn't completely burned out and he's not completely relaxing. He just wants to, you know, find another way out of the big city and, you know, not be looked upon as a guy who just got burned out yeah so he's still in the game he just can't let it leave his head (laughs) so he'll never relax (laughs) no he is distracted during this phone call by barbara and adam who are doing their little thing with the we're ghosts (laughs) 
<laughs> with the moaning and all of that. I love that they were wearing the old school ghost fashion of the sheet with the holes in it too. Yeah. Like that's the best that they can come up with because they're just too sweet. <laughs> and I love that you actually see flashes of Lydia when they're making this noise and she thinks that it's actually Charles and uh, Delia having sex. Yeah. And I love her discuss where she's like, Ugh, how can he stand that woman? <laughs> And then she's like pounding on the wall and like saying like sick perversion. I'm a child for Christ's sakes or something like that. Yeah. Some of those modes do sound like they're having sex. Well, though. when you're in her room and they sh- then she's like, Ooh, and they're doing yeah. it together where he's like, Whoa, and yeah. she goes, <laughs> when you lay them over top of each other, it does sound like they're actually having sex. Yeah. Uh, which is really bizarre and weird, but it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and so they just start moaning even louder because they can't get Delia to get up and move because she's laying out there passed out watching professional wrestling. Yeah, I'm sure she took something to make her sleep. They do say that later on. We do hear yeah. that. But yeah, she's on something for sure and she's out. And they get so loud that Delia finally just sits up and shuts off the TV, but never opens her eyes. Yeah. So you know she's out cold. This is just a subconscious reaction, thinking that it'll stop the noise, <laughs> that it must be the TV. And then Lydia ends up confronting the Maitlands whenever they are leaving the room that Delia is sleeping in. And that leads to our next clip. Sick sexual perversion. Guys are going to do that weird sexual stuff. Do it in your own bedroom. No feet. Are you the guys hiding out in the attic? We're ghosts. What do you look like under there? Aren't you scared? I'm not scared of sheets. Are you gross under there? Are you Night of the Living Dead under there? Like all bloody veins and pus? Night of the what? Living Dead, it's a movie. You know, if I had seen a ghost at your age, I would have been scared out of my wits. You're not gross. Why are you wearing sheets? We're practicing. You can see us without the sheets. Of course I can see you. Well, how is it that you see us and nobody else can? Well, I read through that handbook for the recently deceased. It says, live people ignore the strange and unusual. I myself am strange and unusual. You look like a regular girl to me. You read our book. Yeah. You could follow it. Yeah, why were you guys creeping around in Delia's bedroom? We were trying to scare your mother. Stepmother. Anyway, you can't scare her. She's sleeping with Prince Valium tonight. Who did this? You carved all these little houses and things? Mm-hmm. And this used to be your house. Why do you want to scare everybody? Well, we wanted to frighten you so you would move out. <laughs> you don't know the deets is very well. My father bought this place. He never walks away from equity. Why don't you leave? We can't. We haven't left the house since the funeral. Funeral? God, you guys really are dead. This is amazing. I better go. Wait, you know, I don't think it's a very good idea to tell your parents that we're up here. Not unless you think it'll frighten them away. You tell them that we are horrible, desperate, ghoulish creatures who will stop at nothing to get our house back. What if this is a dream? Can you guys do any tricks to prove I'm not dreaming? Well, if you are real ghosts, you guys better get another routine because those sheets, they don't work. Ghosts. Telling me we have ghosts in this house. Those are pictures of ghosts. Why are they ghosts? Lady, I am giving a dinner party tonight for seven. My agent Bernard is bringing a woman who writes for art in America. In fact, no one dying here this evening has not been in Vanity Fair, except you. I told him you were too mean to be afraid. Don't you dare speak to others about me. The only thing that scares me is being embarrassed in front of the few hip people I can get to set foot in this part of Connecticut. So let's play, family, just for tonight. Hmm? Lydia's trying to believe her. She's got photos, Barbara. Adam, you had a photo of Bigfoot. My photo of Bigfoot is a different story. And here, we've got to get some help here. We've got to contact this guy, Beetlemeyer, or something. Adam, look, it's him, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Go ahead, Barbara, say it. Beetlejuice! What happened? I think we're in the model. Hey, look at that. Well, where is he? What do we do? Looks like we dig, Barbara. Oh, it's about time. I say we open it. Maybe we should knock first. 
fabs. Boy, do you know how to pick up. Let me ask you something. Is this relationship really solid? Do I have a shot at her at all? Excuse me. Sure. Am I overstepping my bounds? Just tell me. Come on. You know what's really beautiful about this? You two kids pick me. You didn't have to, but you pick me. It makes me want to kiss you guys. Come on. Come no. Give me one. No. 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 All right. Let's get down to this. You're right. I got a card around here somewhere. Here. Here. Who do I have to kill? Here, hold that for me, will you? There you go. You don't have to kill anybody. Ah, possession. Good. Learn to throw your voice. Fool your friends. Fun and party. <gasps> no, we just want to get some people out of our house. Ah, I understand. I understand. Well, look, in order to do that, I'm really going to have to get to know you guys. You know, we got to get closer. Move in with you for a while. Get to be real pals. You know what I'm saying? And you can save that guy uh, for later. Huh? My wife and I would like to ask you a couple of questions. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Go ahead, shoot. Well, for instance, uh, what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now, what do you think? You think I'm qualified? What I mean is, can you be scary? Oh, oh, I know what you're asking me. Can I be scary? What do you think of this? <laughs> you like it? Excuse us, please. Sure. Talk amongst yourself. Oh, let's go. I, mean, I, I know, Barbara, honey, but I think he could be of some no, use. No, no, let's meet something out of ourselves. We just have oh, to talk. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey! Excuse me? What? Excuse me. We are leaving now. Oh, wait. Oh, come on. Don't go yet. Hey, guy, come on. We're simpatico here. Look at us. Huh? We even shop in the same store. Hey, hermano. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, oh, come on. We're like peas in a pod, the three of us. Let's face it. You want somebody out of the house? I want to get somebody out of your house. Come on. Look, we've been to Saturn. Hey, I've been to Saturn. Whoa, sandworms. You hate them, right? I hate him myself. Come on, kids. What do I have to do to strike a deal with you two, huh? Don't you hate it when that happens? Let's go, Barbara. Wait, wait, wait. Come on. Just come on for a while. We'll talk inside. Come on. Come on. I'm not staying here. Another minute. Mess. Don't pay any attention to it. Adam, we have to get out of here. I agree, but I'll fix something to eat. Home, Just... home, home. Barbara, how did you do that? Hope you like Italian. <laughs> Where'd you go? Hey. with me here. I'm just trying to cut a D. What do you want me to do? Where are you? You bunch of losers! You're working with a professional here! Nice fucking model! See, we can do this stuff on our own. Besides, I'm not exposing that little girl to that pervert down there. Well, Barbara, we did call him and he seemed awfully pissed off. I don't care. I've changed my mind. Listen, I think we can scare them off ourselves tonight. I have an idea. A lot to unpack in that. That's a big freaking clip. Yeah, that's pretty long. <laughs> I could have just made the whole movie a clip, really. <laughs> like, I pretty much was, it was hard for me to not record every piece of dialogue. Yeah. Okay, so one of the main things I needed to point out is when Lydia is trying to talk Delia out of doing the dinner party and to try and convince her that the house is haunted by showing her the photos of the ghosts in the designer sheets. Yeah. Delia is actually wearing the sweater as pants. I pointed that out. Oh, yeah. You can actually see she's got her legs through the armholes of the sweater. And then the neck part of the sweater, which is like a turtleneck, is just kind of hanging down between her legs as she's walking around. And then she's using <laughs> suspenders to keep it up. Yeah. Like to pull up the sweater around her legs and <laughs> wear them as pants. Are they trying to point out just how weird and just bizarre this woman is? I guess so. Or do you think that was like a prank that they just kind of left in, like where she's trying to mess with people? I don't know. I never noticed it until the other night. And then I pointed it out to you to be like, make sure I wasn't crazy. Or I was like, because I had to back it up. I went back to the other scene to make sure that it was the same sweater. But <laughs> she's wearing Charles's sweater from when he was doing the bird watching as pants. And the freaking neck is hanging out like between 
between her legs and everything. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe it was her pair of pants, and then he was wearing it. No, they're kidding. <laughs> she bought the sweater to wear his pants. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this is a nice sweater. I'm going to wear it right now and relax. <laughs> it's such a weird little thing. So she wears a glove for a headband and then the sweater for pants. Yeah, it's pretty weird. My guess is they were trying to establish just how bizarre she actually is. Yeah. And all she cares about is making sure that hip people come to visit her and that she can keep up with everybody. The one thing that they've done that I do like is how they upgraded the kitchen. There's a lot of stuff in the kitchen that's more modern and more usable, I think. Yeah. That's the one area where it's okay to be modern and more slick as your kitchen. That's true. <laughs> more convenient appliances and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do not do that to the outside with the weird, you know, completely unsafe porch that's just this weird plank in the middle of nowhere. It just really bugs me. <laughs> and also, I hate the paint job that they did. It's all, like, sponge work paint on everything. Yeah, it's like they took that, like, um, stone spray paint and spray paint everything. In some areas, too. Yeah. yeah. It's like the stone, fake stone work stuff, and then it looks like it's sponge yeah. painted in other areas. The one room I like is Lydia's room, where it has the purple walls and the green floor, and then some of the weird symbols that are painted around and stuff like that or yeah. you know little like kitschy things that are put on there that made sense that sort of mob room or whatever but everything else in the house with that fake stonework spray paint look to it is just horrible yeah i don't like any of it <laughs> it just looks awful the end of the clip leads to the dinner party with otho a very sad looking asian woman who is constantly sad and just dour and looks like she just doesn't want to be alive anymore and i'm not sure if that's supposed to be his date or just someone that's there with uh Dick Cavett's character of the art uh, manager or whatever for Delia. I mean, she leaves with them, so. And she hates Otho, too. Like, they keep doing pot shots back and forth at each other during the dinner. Yeah. And so Dick Cavett pops up on screen and can't mention Dick Cavett enough. It's awesome to have him in this movie. <laughs> I like the way that he kind of delivers his dialogue and stuff. Okay, so first, Otho drops a hint that this Asian woman that he's been taking pot shots at may have attempted to commit suicide, and that if you do such a thing successfully, as in if you kill yourself, you are cursed to civil service in the afterlife. So we get a definite confirmation here that that's something that happened. Oh, okay. And it's also hinted at earlier, so they make sure that they drive that point home, that the suicides get cursed to civil service. That's very important, because another character wants to take their own life later on in the movie. That's why I want to point that out. Otho points out that at one point in time, he happened to have been one of the leading paranormal experts or investigators in New York City. And it's at this point when he mentions all of these different jobs that I realize what Otho really is. He's just a con man who lies constantly about the types of things he knows and that he's an expert in it. Yeah. And people just believe him and go with it until it's proven that he can't do the shit he claims that he can do. And then he ends up having to change careers and con somebody another way. Well, I don't know. I think he just had that kind of background because remember when they were trying to go up to the attic, he felt, it's Adam, right? Yeah, Adam runs past him. Yeah, he could feel it. So, I mean, you had to be connected to the afterlife somehow. And he does kind of catch a brief glimpse a little bit. Well, he's just strange enough, I guess, that he can connect to the afterlife maybe. I guess so, yeah. I just think that Otho's a horrible con man because clearly he doesn't know shit about interior design. He doesn't know shit about house design. Yeah. (laughs) And what they end up doing to the house is a horrible idea and they just pretty much wreck it. And I just dislike Otho's character. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) You're not supposed to like him, honey. I know. I know. (laughs) 
But he states that he was a leading expert of the paranormal at one point in time over the dinner. And then Lydia basically comes right out and says that she has seen some ghosts when they're talking about the afterlife and death. And then Delia tries to cover it up. And the way that Winona Ryder delivers that line where she's like, I saw some ghosts. It's like a kid who's just looking for a way to get the adults to talk to her and acknowledge that she's there at the dinner. Yeah. You know, and we've all been in that sort of scenario where you're there with a bunch of other people and, you know, you're the kid and no one's paying any attention to you and you just want to connect with the people and be part of the conversation. Yeah. Well, especially because she knows her mom doesn't want to talk about it yeah. at that point. Yeah. So you think it's a way to get back at her stepmom? Yeah. Because Delia's her stepmom. Oh, it's a stepmom? Yeah, she does say that in the movie. Oh. She points that out because someone says something about her mother and she's a stepmother. I think it's when she's talking to the Maitlands for the first time she says that. Oh. When Lydia states that she had seen some of the ghosts, Delia immediately tries to shut that down and cover it up. She doesn't want anything to do with this. And she tries to change the subject and then she basically says, I do not want to talk about that anymore. I want to talk about, and this leads to arguably the most memorable moment of the entire film. I think everybody knows this sequence. And they talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably your favorite part of the movie, right? Yeah. Like you love this more than anything else in the movie, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's the dance and the lip sync to the Deo song from Harry Belafonte. And it is, it's funny and it's still terrific to this day. Yeah. <laughs> what are your favorite parts early? The dance? Yeah. I like how like they get into it and then like they kind of snap out of it for a little bit and they're like, what am I doing? And then they get back into it. Like, I don't know. Where they're kind of having fun. fun with it and then they're yeah. all of a sudden like, why can't I stop myself from doing this? Yeah. yeah. I think the whole thing's perfect. I, I don't know. I think the thing you laugh- Black tarantula I think is my favorite. <laughs> the mighty deadly black yeah. tarantula, the way, they, tarantula. The way that Jeffrey Jones pops himself up yeah. into the air. Yeah. Yeah, that always seems to make make you laugh quite a bit yeah i love the part where they're all putting their butts in the air and then they look back like why am i doing this and they're all just kind of like what yeah, yeah. and, and I, the, the shrimp pan actually did really scare me when i was a kid really yeah it's i remember you? like thinking like oh my gosh that is really scary it's the only part of the whole thing that actually is terrifying when they sit back down and then the shrimp hands all pop out yeah. and launch them backwards yeah yeah pretty creepy <laughs> but still the maitlands are not very good at being terrifying i mean the shrimp hands they should have just done that right off the bat yeah i mean because the dance is actually fun and everybody would have really enjoyed it but the shrimp hands tossing them backwards like yeah they did actually all scream at that yeah well who wouldn't i mean that's horrifying yeah it's still pretty creepy to see the shrimp arms just jump mm -hmm. up out of that. It was like a Ghostbusters moment where it's funny for us, but if that happened to you in front, you would probably never eat shrimp again. Yeah, man, that'd be really bad. <laughs> I love shrimp. <laughs> We're going to eat shrimp later tonight, yeah, so we are. really don't want to have that happen. <laughs> All right, so after that, the Maitlands end up running upstairs and you actually hear them kind of high-pitched laughing and then it transforms back into them after they're done possessing everything. That's another thing that my parents really didn't like about that is they talk about demon possession. Or my mom particularly really didn't like about that. They yeah. talk about demon possession and then the ghosts are jumping into people and making them do things. Yeah. Ooh, spirits jumping into people. That's a big no-no for religious people. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So they run upstairs to celebrate and thinking that this would terrify them. They both go to the window waiting for them to all come running out of the house and everybody to be terrified and scared. But that doesn't happen. We hear Lydia knocking on the door and she just destroys all of that hope that they actually got the better of these people. And she ends up telling them that they want you to come down. You can wear whatever sheets that you want or that the mom said that. This basically has become a hit of an otherwise very dreary, boring party that nobody really wants anything to do with. Yeah. 
They use uh, Lydia's photos at one point. They're passing those around to say that it's proof of ghosts where they're hanging there in the sheets. And it also means that they can actually get Maxie, Dean, to come visit because he'll be roped into it because his wife is a big freaking fanatic for the paranormal. So to get a man to do anything is to talk his wife into it, basically. (laughs) That's the way it always works, right? That's the way it works. Yeah, he'll get roped into a visit that way. So Delia's agent wants control of all of this spectacle and wants to basically call the shots on how this stuff is going to get marketed and all of that. He wants to be able to approve all of this and get actual solid proof because Delia's art has cost him loads of money over the years. And doesn't he even say to her at one point, you're a flake. You've always been a flake. You'll always be a flake. If you want to horrify people, do it with your sculptures. Yeah, he's horrible. I mean, sure. (laughs) Didn't you say you're like, you should fire that guy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that because of how bad she is at art... I'm just going to say it. This is probably the only person that would represent her. Oh, and maybe. He's probably tired of her crap. Yeah. Now, Delia, the character, and I know you want to kind of be sympathetic with her because she's an artist, but I think Delia as a character is that kind of artist where they're like a pop artist where they're trying to, you know, shock people and make them like think that what they're doing is all new and inventive and it's just not really any substance behind it. There's no real meaning to what they're doing. They're just making weird shapes that are supposed to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. And it's like, well, if you don't quote unquote get it, then you're just not hip man. You're not with the now. And I think it may be one point in time, her art in this mode of this modern art where it's this thing, man, you know, it's 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 so cool and weird and angular and trippy, man. And I don't understand it. Like she may have had her moment in the sun and then has since faded you know maybe that guy represented her then and he's kind of stuck with her you know yeah I get the sensation at one point she might have actually been kind of the hot artist and now nobody cares about her work and it's been the same forever. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but she's supposed to be the joke of the artist where, you know, they're doing something that nobody really gets and understands and it's their problem. It has nothing to do with the fact that the art is just weird and serves no purpose and takes up too much space. (laughs) All right. So the Maitlands refuse to come down, which Lydia, when she comes downstairs, states though that that's not going to happen. So everyone but Otho ends up leaving. So you're right. That lady does go with them. Yeah. I don't know if uh, one of the ladies was Dick Cavett's wife and then the other one was the artist who was going to... Yeah, the guy the art, the gold was his, his wife. His wife. And then the other lady, the Asian lady, or, was like the yeah. art critic or whatever that was supposed to come with him from that magazine that Delia was talking about. Yeah. Maybe, I guess. I never really paid that much attention yeah. to those people because all I cared about was that they got possessed at the dinner party, sang Deo, got attacked yeah. by shrimp arms, and then left. I just can't believe that you, that, that happened to you. You wouldn't believe that, you know, that there's actually ghosts. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. So that's just, I don't know, that's stupid. (laughs) Yeah, I don't understand it either, but whatever. I think it's just a way to get them out of there and then they have to find proof to bring Maxie Dean in from there. Yeah, that just doesn't make sense at all. I think they're just kind of moving too fast through that. So when the Maitlands refuse to come down and everybody else leaves, this pisses Delia off. So they all run upstairs and start talking trash about the Maitlands and the fact that they're dead. And then Delia ends up getting super bitchy pounding on the door. Think something about open up this door right now or we'll break it down and drag you out by the ropes you hung yourself with. Yeah. And she's like, they didn't commit suicide. That doesn't matter, Lydia. If you, This is a very valuable lesson for you to learn. If you allow people to walk all over you, whether living or dead, they'll do it for your whole life or something along those lines. Yeah. And just Catherine O'Hara being Catherine O'Hara all over the place. Nobody shouts like her, man. Nope. <laughs> she's great at that. That angry, upset woman. It's so cool. 
Well, the door just kind of opens on its own after they pound on it the second time, screaming open up, and they all invade the attic. Otho ends up stealing the handbook for the recently diseased. Deceased. Court, come on. They exit the attic after Otho steals the handbook for the recently... Deceased. Deceased. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he steals that, which is bad. You yeah. don't want to have Otho owning that. No. And the Maitlands are apparently were hanging out the window the entire time. With a spider. <laughs> They're outside with the spider? Yeah. <laughs> Beetlejuice ends up laughing at them after seeing this and decides that it's time to, quote unquote, turn on the juice and see what shakes loose. <laughs> That's a pretty iconic line where he says that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Beetlejuice's stuff. And it's really weird. Like, you don't realize it until you actually, like, sit down and pay attention. He's not in this film very much. For it being about him. No. He's he probably isn't. got, like, what, maybe five, ten minutes of screen time? No, it's got to be more than that. But... It doesn't feel like that, though. Like, I want to sit down and actually time it. I don't know. I never looked that up. Interesting. But yeah. I just... Michael Keaton's awesome, though. Oh, he's amazing. Nobody else could have done this as well no. as him. There was a bunch of other people that they considered, uh, like other comedians and things like that, but I just can't picture anybody else but Michael Keaton. Yeah. He's so good in this. Beetlejuice decides that he's going to attack the family. They all head downstairs, and on the way down the stairs, he possesses the banister and ends up turning that into a snake. And it's also got the stop-motion head that's supposed to be Beetlejuice. Now, from what I've heard, they filmed this before Michael Keaton got hired, and it was just going to be a snake that possessed the banister and was going to attack the pizzas. Yeah, so they ended up adding in the stop motion head stuff over top of what some of the snake attack was supposed to be. Oh, that's cool. And that's why they, to make sure that people knew that it was Beetlejuice that was attacking, I guess. Yeah. Because they were worried that people wouldn't realize that Beetlejuice was the snake. Oh, doesn't he have some dialogue, though? I think that's all stuff that they added to just to like reiterate that it was definitely Beetlejuice. I really love the snake attack. That's probably my favorite thing in the movie when he attacks them. Yeah. And I think that scared the shit out of everybody when they were kids, probably. That's a really great thing about this is the parts that are scary actually are pretty scary. Yeah. It's just silly enough to where you're like, okay, I guess that wasn't that bad. Right. Yeah. But the jumping arms coming out of shrimp, that's actually pretty scary when it happens. Yeah. Yeah, It's a good jump scare. And then the rattlesnake attack is actually pretty scary too, because he really tries to cause harm. I mean, he ends up causing some real harm. He knocks Otho down the stairs with his tail. Yeah. And Otho takes a header the whole way down the stairs. He picks Charles up, holds him above, like off the side of the banister above, like, you know, a good story or so up, tells him, we're coming for your daughter, Chuck. Yeah. Before he drops him. Thanks. (laughs) He drops him and then he ends up hitting on his back and everything, but he drops him from like the second story of the house to the first story from that banister area. And even uh, Barbara ends up calling him back at that point right before he can cause any further harm. And then Lydia is convinced that this is them doing it. So she tells them to leave him alone and runs away. And that ends up leading to our... Next clip. What a choice we've got here. We get to spend the next century either hanging out the window or doing parlor tricks. Maybe they'll leave now. That snake was a pretty nasty customer. Well, he could have hurt somebody. But he didn't. We got him right where we wanted. You bunch of losers! How dare you hear us a professional always working? I'm not fond of Charles Dietz particularly, but you could have killed him. Hey, I'm just doing my job. It's not that we had a deal. Hey, it's okay. You know why? I don't want to do business with you deadbeats anyway. Thank you. The only one I think I can deal with is that growling pose daughter. I think she understands me. You leave her alone, you... (laughs) Go ahead. Make my millennium. Uh, I'm feeling a little uh, anxious, if you know what I mean. It's been about 600 years after all. I wonder where a guy, an everyday Joe like myself, could find a little action. Hi! Yeah. Oh, yeah, here I come, dude. Oh, yeah. Hey, Adam! 
Adam, why did you build that? I didn't. Oh, Will you guys shut up and leave me alone? I've got all this paperwork to do. You two, come in here. Sit down. Get in here, both of you. The whorehouse was my idea. I want Beetlejuice out of the picture. I can't believe you two have really screwed up. I received word that you allowed yourself to be photographed, and you let Beetlejuice out and didn't put him back. And you let Otho get hold of the handbook. The handbook? When? Never trust the living. We cannot have a routine haunting like yours provide proof that there is existence beyond death. Coach, Coach, where's the men's room? I'm not your coach. He survived. By the way, Coach, let me get something straight. What's our curfew around here? Well, you get out of here. Go on, get downstairs. Men's room, are you kidding? It's a read signs. I'll be right back. Maybe this was all a bad idea. I didn't say anything. Oh, who are we kidding, Charles? You've never had a bad idea. Yeah? Yeah, this could all work out. Home. Though, not sure that this is the right environment for Lydia. Snakes? Ghosts? Shrimp? Oh, you family types. You've got other things to worry about. Maxie Dean's coming up here tonight. You've got to figure out a way to sell these ghosts. I can only do so much. What are you going to do, Otho? Viciously rearrange their environment? I know just as much about the supernatural as I do about interior design. I am alone. I am utterly alone. By the time you read this, I will be gone, having jumped, having vomited off the Winter River Bridge. So, I don't care what it takes, you get the Dietzes out of there now. Oh, wait a minute. What are you going to do? To scare them. I want to make sure it's not some silly parlor trick. Now, go clean house and don't forget the photographs and the damned handbook. Coach? What? I don't think we survived that crash. How did you guess? Mr. and Mrs. Maitland? Hello. How are you? Dead, 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 dead. Of course they're dead. They're ghosts. No, I mean, they're gone. Split out of here. Afterlife kid. Deceased. Are you a ghost, too? I'm the ghost with the most, babe. You know, you look like somebody I can relate to. Maybe you could, you could help me get out of here, you know, because I got to tell you, this, uh, this death thing, it's, it's just too creepy. See, here's my problem. I got these friends on the outside that I said I'd meet, you know, and that's the kind of thing I have to be there in person, you know. So I was just wondering, could you help me get out of here? I don't want to get in. Why? Well, well, you know, hey, you probably got your reasons, uh, but the thing is, I can't do anything from over here. If you could get me out over there, then maybe we could talk or something. But, you know, in order to do that, you got to say my name three times. What's your name? Well, uh, I can't tell you. Why not? You know why? Because if I tell you, you tell your friends, your friends are calling me on the horn all the time. I got to show up at shopping centers for openings and sign autographs and shit like that. And it makes my life a hell, okay? A living hell. But maybe if you have a pen, maybe we can... Oh, I know. You can play charade. Yeah. Ah, good, good. Ah, here we go then. Ready? Um, two words. Right? Ah. First word, two syllables. You know, just turn. Turn around and look behind you. Hi, right, how are you? <laughs> Beetle. God, okay. Now, two, take one. Uh, <laughs> breakfast, orange, orange beetle, uh, beetle fruit, beetle breakfast, uh, beetle drink, uh, beetle, uh, uh, beetle juice. Yes, that's it. Name beetle juice. Ah, yes, and twice. Just say it once more. Come on. It was you, wasn't it? <laughs> Me. The snake. No, what snake, you kids, in your imagination? Just say it. Mm, I want to talk to Barbara. No, you don't need to talk to Barbara. Just say it. Oh, Adam, I can't go through with it. I like that little girl. But, Barbara, honey, it's too late. We have to go through with this. No, we don't. I mean, can't we rebel or something? Oh, Barbara. Adam, 
I want to be with Lydia. Ah, just say it! No! No! Ah! Wait, you! Ah! Say it! What's going on? Beautiful. He told me that if I let him out, he would take me to the other side to find you. No, Lydia. We're dead. I want to be dead, too. No, Lydia. Being dead really doesn't make things any easier. Listen to her on this, Lydia. This is something we know a lot about. And you can come up here and visit us anytime you want. I have a feeling that things are going to be a little better around here from now on. What do you mean, better? Well, we've decided that we're going to invite you and your family to stay. That's right, Lydia. You've got a stake in this too, Otho. This is a presentation. It requires a sense of occasion, a sense of style. It's so big. How are we going to get it out? Well, it's sectional. Get it both ends. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Careful. Okay, go. Uh, What's going on? Watch out, though. I don't know. I'll go find out. Be careful. That's pretty much the whole movie right there, Corey. <laughs> That was, yeah, really that was a long clip, I know. That was really long. That's the problem is there's so much great stuff. Like, I just didn't want to stop recording it. I'm like, oh, I need this. Oh, no, I need that. And Yeah, that's I, hard. I ended up just combining things instead of trying to, like, break them up and explain what was going on in between each individual piece. Yeah. And I was justifying that in my head because I'm like, everybody's seen Beetlejuice, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was what I was thinking. But, yeah, there's a lot to talk about there. First of all, I love the whorehouse design. I think that's yeah. so great. The little demon chicks with their... <laughs> little horns and the little outfits and i love the devil's face that looks like the old carnival rides on the front of it yeah the dante's inferno and just like a normal wife that would see something like that i love where she's like adam why did you build that (laughs) (laughs) like if you actually saw that i built something like that in a model you'd be like court why would you do such a thing i would say that (laughs) yeah the thing that i really love too is the monster face designs for the maitlands i prefer the one that she does where barbara opens her mouth up and stretches it out and it looks almost like a crocodile after flipping her eyes back in her head and then her eyes sit on her tongue but they're still not scary like that they're still kind of corny and cool and funny (laughs) yeah yeah they're not super scary but they're pretty cool looking but i always thought he looked like a rooster where he jams his hand into the back of his head and then his hand pops out of the back of his head pulls his nose out and then like his pulls his eyes out and makes little finger eye things I like the fingers for, the know, eyes for fingers. The yeah. eyes on the tips of his fingers is yeah. really cool. I won't argue that at all. I think that is really cool yeah. looking. But and he has to like use his glasses to like see. Yeah, I love that where she does the transformation and he goes to watch her. So he holds his fingers up into his glasses yeah. so he can see. Those are That's really cool too. Yeah. And we mentioned it when we were watching the movie, but we didn't talk about it yet. Juno's really not helping them at all. No, she isn't. Like her first session, she says, I determine whether help is deserved and needed or something like that. Yeah. And then he goes, well, is it? And she's like, no. And then she just berates them and then gives them advice that's not even really advice. It's like, basically, she says, read your fucking handbook and don't fucking bother me and just deal with it. Yeah. You guys have got a cushy gig here, even though you're staying with people that you don't like. Right. (laughs) In your, you know, there's people you don't like in your house. It's like your responsibility, get them out. Right. Well, I'm not really like not surprised that she's not like super happy go lucky person but yeah, yeah she died in italy and apparently had her head chopped off <laughs> yeah so i wonder if that's another thing if you were a horrible person in life or if something bad like you did something bad in life and then you have to be like a caseworker to help other people in the afterlife too if like that kind of a punishment yeah i don't know because what did she get beheaded for in italy you know like was she an aristocracy or something that got overthrown or something like you know the french revolution did in those days or i don't know i don't know i'm always kind of wonder what juno's backstory was and i know that uh originally they actually wanted beetlejuice to be a demon like when the original script beetlejuice was a demon oh and he was really really rapey like 
really inappropriately rapey and did horrible things like and it was a straight up horror movie so when they summoned him like he was doing a lot more than just like inappropriately touching <laughs> Barbara yeah. and stuff so some of the stuff like you know crosses over where she says I don't want to expose that little girl to that pervert down there and stuff like that yeah <laughs> like that's kind of a holdover from that and the script got retooled to make it a PG so there's a lot of sinister edge to Beetlejuice and a lot of the other characters and a lot of things that's going on but it, they kind of paint it with a family friendly brush just enough to make it like the subversive movie yeah that's, <laughs> that's funny yeah I always thought that was really neat and I do want to ask now that we're kind of talking about the various monster faces and stuff like that do you remember the toy line that came out from the Beetlejuice movie at all mm, no I don't think so did you ever you never saw any of them or mm -hmm. anything like that it was really interesting it's around the time in the 90s when they started doing things where you could put heads on top of toys that would like snap into place some of them were sometimes they were hard plastic and sometimes they were like these gummy heads that would just sit on top of the regular character heads so basically the toys would do this thing where the head would snap or, or you know you would put it into place and so one of the figures that they had was they had a barbara and they had an adam and you had these additional heads that you could put over top of them that were their monster heads when they stretched out their heads and they had the the eyeball and the tongue for barbara one and then they had the one for adam that looked like a rooster head that you could pop on did you have any of those no i just remember seeing them at the store and really wanting them but i never had one huh. they had one some for beetlejuice as well where um you could pop off his head and then he had the shrunken head underneath oh that's cool i like from I the end of the remember movie. that one maybe and they had the hunt where you had a regular hunter head and then you had the shrunken hunter head from that too huh. and uh, they had a couple other toys that were like that as well but i just remember seeing a few of the toys i wonder what those are worth now and <laughs> if they still exist but i never seen them since but i just remember that they were there and that they, that was a thing like in the 90s that they were out there so all right so at the very end of the clip charles ends up doing his presentation for the i guess it's a paranormal money-making scheme where he wants to buy up the town and then turn it into like this paranormal center in connecticut based around his haunted house yeah where they're going to try and turn the maitlands into performing monkeys and make them jump around and for peanuts or something or afterlife ghost peanuts whatever those would be i don't know right and lydia tries to talk all of the adults out of this and just basically says you should leave them alone and they want to let us live here but they don't want to perform tricks they don't want to do all this they're not going to come down so they end up deciding to use otho instead and i don't think he knows shit about the paranormal because he finds the book and then takes passages out of the book to make happen what happens here right this is why I think Otho's a con artist. I think he just lucked into finding that book, and so he's going to pretend like he knows more than he does. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, th I think he knows enough to get be dangerous. He's read the book, I think, and I think he went through the book enough to be dangerous. Yeah. And he is extremely dangerous, as we're about to find out. So they end up using him, and this starts a sequence where Otho summons the spirits in a sort of almost seance or like exorcism type of thing. And in one of the clips that we had earlier, they talk about the lost souls room for ghosts that have been exorcised. And what ends up happening to the Maitlands looks like what has happened to those ghosts that have been exorcised. So I'm wondering if that ceremony he's performing where he's trying to summon them is more or less a way to make them leave the haunt by making them rot away and not be able to have their presence there anymore. <laughs> no, I don't think that that was their goal. No, I don't think he meant to do that, but I think yeah. that's what that passage was and he didn't know what it was and that's why it was dangerous. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I, the movie doesn't give you enough evidence other than just what you see, you know? Yeah. So the summoning forces Barbara and Adam into their wedding clothing, both Barbara's wedding dress, which is quite lovely but extremely conservative. Yeah. I mean, it goes all the way up to the top of her neck. <laughs> well, that helps with the makeup, too. It's all well, covered. Yeah, I didn't want to think of it that way. I don't know. I prefer a more revealing Sorry, that's dress. your fault that I'm thinking of that way. <laughs> what, the makeup stuff? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I love that you have picked some of that stuff up from me getting yeah. nitpicky about that kind of thing. <laughs> and then Adam's in his tux and everything. And I do love the makeup when they start to like desiccate and decay where you see them looking pretty much like they would look like in the grave, I guess. Yeah. Where they're all dried up and everything. Yeah. When her shoe like falls off. I yeah. Mean, her feet pretty... curl up and stuff. Yeah. And then he goes to hold her hand because he gets some in second and she's already starting to decay. Yeah. The part that sad. always makes me kind of roll a tear is when he goes to hold her hand and it's decaying and it starts to dust falls off and she looks down and is all sad yeah and she looks over at lydia and says her name and you know she can't talk you can't hear her and lydia reaches up for her. it's a really sad part of the movie like you feel really bad for the maitlands at this point yeah they totally don't deserve any of this no and so as they're desiccating and decaying right before their eyes otho is clearly a fraud at this point because he even says he doesn't know what he's doing did you wait did you notice that they actually like projected the wrinkles on their faces yeah they did an overlay of it at first to yeah. like kind of show that they were starting to decay yeah. it looks like they used the makeup at first and then did like an overlay yeah yeah it's a lot more obvious and high def than it ever yeah. was i'm like i never VHS. noticed that before yeah. but yeah obviously yeah blu-ray you're yeah. seeing it and I don't think it was that noticeable on the DVD that we had no. it back in the day when we watched it. But yeah, the Blu-ray really effect. showed it. Yeah. It's a old school style overlay that they did too, where you could kind of see the seams of it. I did notice it, but I'm glad you mentioned it. <laughs> mm. So as I mentioned, Otho is clearly a fraud and Lydia, completely desperate to save the Maitlands in any way, shape or form that she can, goes directly to Beetlejuice and agrees to marry him so that he can escape. Now, is he escaping the afterlife and not being dead anymore and coming back to life if he marries her or is he getting out from whatever prison like area that they keep him in in the afterlife it doesn't really say i think it's just a prison life because i mean he obviously is has some kind of like well maybe he's just like stuck just like how the maitlands are stuck in that house he's stuck in whatever he's haunting yeah and if he marries her he can cross over because he mentions it somewhere in order for him to get out he has to be married and it's like immigration or something like that yeah and so there's some kind of reason for that i think this harkens over to him being a demon where he can marry her and then come out of hell yeah i'm I think, pretty sure it's just an excuse yeah <laughs> whatever it's still funny and it still comes up with some really great wedding humor stuff and it's fitting because barbara is in her wedding dress and adam yeah. is in his wedding garb and so is lydia and so is beetlejuice yeah which i think his tux is probably the coolest uh, outfit that he wears i know everybody likes the black and white striped suit for beetlejuice and that's what everybody knows but the purple velvety kind of <laughs> yeah. tux that he wears i love that look on him the best <laughs> after she says his name three times and agreeing to marry beetlejuice he pops up out of the model in a weird sort of carnival talker style thing that he's doing he's got like a merry-go-round thing around the top of his head oh, with yeah. like the hanging bats and various other things you notice the bat wings on the side of his head yeah yeah and on the very top of it, there was another set of bat wings and then a skull that looks a lot like Jack Skeleton's head from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Huh. So you see a lot of that kind of similar repeating design that Tim Burton does in this movie. And so his arms come unraveling at some point while he's doing this carnival talk about step right up, folks. And they turn into these inflatable mallets where the hands should be. And then he ends up launching Maxie Dean and his wife through the ceiling with a sort of like a high striker strength tester game where you hit the mallet onto the end of the thing and it's supposed to go ring the bell. Yeah, and it's a pretty, like, uh, creative way to get rid of people. <laughs> the high striker yeah. bank tester? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Do you think he just killed Maxie Dean and his wife there? I mean, yes, because they go through the roof. But, <laughs> I don't know. In this real world. Yeah. You know. <laughs> in a real world, they would be dead, but you're not sure if they're dead in this movie. Yeah. Well, we never hear from them again, but also nobody ever is brought to trial for their death either. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They just disappear. <laughs> Nobody ever questions it again after that point. I still think that's funny. I think that's absolutely hilarious. That's another part that I love where they get launched to the roof with that. Yeah, with I mean, it's a great, it's a great little scene. And that actually leads to our penultimate clip. Thank you. Thank you. Woo. That is why I won't do two shows a night anymore, babe. I won't. I won't do. Well, what do we got here tonight, kids? Ooh, uh, well, we got the, uh, the Maitlands. Ah, I think, uh, they've had enough exercise for a night. That's so fast, brown boy. We're gonna have some last. Also! I just want you two to know you're welcome at our house anytime you want to come over. In the meantime, the dowry's on me, Dad. Well, maintenance are taken care of. Everything seems to be pretty much back to normal, I think. Shall we? Bet. Call the caterers, got a great fan. Oops. We're gonna need witnesses. Would ya? Come on, let's go. Let's get on the ceremony. Do you, Beetle? <laughs> Nobody says the B word. Come on. Do you take this woman to be your wedded wife? Jeez, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a big decision, isn't it? I mean, I always said if I ever did it, I was going to do it once, and that was it. Sure, yeah. Go ahead. And you, do you, Lydia, take this man to be... No! She's a little bit nervous. Uh, maybe I should answer for her, okay? I'm Lydia Dietz, and I'm of sound mind. The man next to me is the one I want. You ask me, I'm answering. Yes, I love that man of mine. Come on. Oh, my dear. Beetle! Come on, come on. Beetle, just... Come on. Come on! Hey, guy. May we continue with the ceremony? <laughs> and then my... Beetlejuice! Beetlejuice! Oh, You're right. Come on, let's get rolling now, Rev. Then, by the authority vested in me, the ring, please. The ring! Oh, no. Toy Story. Here, yeah, you know I got it, honey. Here it is. There you go. I'm telling you, honey, she meant nothing to me. Nothing at all. I now pronounce you. Yeah, yeah, come on. I love that he uses Delia's art to trap them. Yeah. And the one that actually pinned her earlier is the one that he uses to hold her in place. Yeah. I love the way that it's animated. I think the entire point of having the art look the way that it does is so that it could be used later on in the movie to trap them and attack them. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's really cool. This whole sequence is great where he does the wedding thing and... I love the little like paper mache minister looking yeah. skeleton guy that comes out. I love the fireplace. Well, we, like where it stretches animated. out. Yeah. 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 The old school effects on this are really cool. And yeah. a lot of them like that animating of the fireplace actually holds up. It still looks great to me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And so he has to use the Dietzes to be witnesses to their daughter being married against her will. <laughs> I love the overdub where he covers her mouth. And I'm oh, Lydia yeah. Dietz and I'm a sound mind. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty creepy. It's only my second favorite thing to the learn to throw your voice, fun parties, fool your friends. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, I did that a lot. Um, in my old job, I used to do that where I had a coworker who would actually mouth the words for me, and then eh. I would turn my head and then do the sound part of it. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. 
the ring that was on like the finger. Yeah. First couple times, I thought it was a ring made out of a worm that he was putting on her finger, not that he was taking a ring off of a dead finger. Oh, that's even better though, where he's got a ring that he clearly severed off of a human finger. Yeah. Whether he stole it from a grave or whether it belonged to somebody that he murdered and then took the finger yeah. that had the ring on there. And I just love where he goes, she meant nothing to me, darling, nothing to me. Yeah. It's like, that doesn't make it any better, dude. That's horrific. That's uh, pretty gross. You know you've done something wrong when you're shocking the goth girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love the part where Adam's jaw drops off, too. I know. When he's still rotting, he goes, Bleh! <laughs> he tries to yeah. say Beetlejuice. And there's a really touching moment when uh, Barbara grabs a hold of his jaw and helps him put it back on. Yeah. A very touching, loving couple I stuff. Like it's part. very cute. Yeah. I would pick up your jaw, honey, for you. You, you would? I would. Yeah. I would grasp your rotting hand Aww. if we were ghosts. I totally would. Thanks, honey. I love you. I love you, too. <laughs> Forever. I love you forever. This is where people get grossed out and shut off the podcast. <laughs> They're all like, oh, diabetes. Ooh. <laughs> also love the part where he goes to say Beetlejuice and then his teeth get pulled out by Beetlejuice's little magical spell thing. Yeah. And then he still goes, Beetlejuice. And then they have the little stomp fest where he's trying to get rid of it. The little dance that he does. Yeah. yeah. It's very cartoony, very like uh, Looney Tunes in this stuff, which is really cool. The way they kind of make it feel less creepy. But yeah. it's still some pretty horrific stuff at the same time. Yeah. Which do you like more? Do you like the zipper on Barbara's mouth or the metal plate he throws after that? I like the zipper because like she like does it right away and she says it again, you know? Yeah, where she unzips it yeah. and then says it again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they were trying to play up that they're both out of breath and they're both worn out from, you know, coming back from being rotten like that. And that's why they have a hard time saying it because there was plenty of time where he could have gone, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Like she's done it before, but they're both worn out and, you know, yeah. it also adds to the drama. Right. <laughs> Barbara is sent to Saturn, which we know that it's Saturn now because Beetlejuice says that it's Saturn because they see the yellow on Barbara's outfit that she was there too long and started turning yellow. And then Adam gets sent into the model where he's right there with a truck that had been crashed by Beetlejuice. And they both interfere just in time before they could pronounce man and wife. Barbara rides a sandworm into eat Beetlejuice and Adam crashes the truck into Beetlejuice's foot to stop the ceremony just before that sandworm gets ridden in there, which is pretty neat. Yeah. But now, is this supernatural? So is the house actually destroyed there? Will it go back to normal? Or did the house get destroyed in that? or demolished in that part where the worm comes crashing in. Because <laughs> it jumps after this part, so we don't really know. Yeah, I'm sure they had to repair something. Yeah. And so with Beetlejuice gone, the Dietzes are turned loose from the sculptures and Adam ends up embracing Barbara. And I really love the shot. It really sums it up quite well where you have Lydia standing with the Maitlands on one side of that big hole and then on the other side of the big hole on the other side of that pastor, it's separated you have Charles and Delia standing there as well and they go to walk up to kind of check on or to just kind of make sure Lydia's okay but the pastor guy's still there in the way and they go Ugh! and they just step back and stand there Yeah. but the fact that you have Lydia standing with the Maitlands, it already establishes that the Maitlands are like her true parents or they're the ones that are going to take care of her and raise her because you get the sensation the whole time that Charles and Delia, while they like her and they love her, they don't really understand her and they can't connect with her and they, they're not really interested in being actual parents. Yeah, yeah. Like, because they've ignored her for like ever. Right. And it's not until the Maitlands come into the picture and decide that she's a normal girl and that they're going to take care of her that, you know, Lydia really starts to shine and 
you know, turn around her life a little bit. Right. And then she's less miserable because she has parents now. And I really think that that shot kind of establishes that. And I don't think that was an accident. I think they did that on purpose. Yeah. Uh, they fade from black at this point and they fade into Lydia leaving school. And I want to kind of point out that this is an all girls school. It's a girl. It's a school specifically for girls. They got uniforms and everything. And it's in the same small town because it's only a bike ride away from her home. Yeah. So do they have a public school and then a school for boys or is this just, you know, <laughs> yeah, a pretty small town to have like an all girls school. Yeah, and to have that many girls, no less, are they like being shipped in from all over the place? Yeah. And how mm-hmm. how long of a bike ride does freaking Lydia have from school then? I'm just kind of curious about that, you know? And just never really picked a that or really noticed it until this time around. But she ends up hopping on her bike and starts riding it back to the house after she leaves school. We also see with a quick cut that the Maitlands are getting their house back the way that it was. So I think Delia has kind of chilled out or maybe it's a thank you for, you know, saving <laughs> saving uh, Lydia and saving them from Beetlejuice, maybe. I don't know. The whole thing is kind of weird. Like they're going to live together, but them transforming the house back to the way it was... I mean, I don't know. How can they all live together? That's kind of strange. Well, the Maitlands actually, it's going to be their home. They're going to be there longer, so it might as well be set up for them and their comfort and for it to be the way that they wanted it. Yeah, but I don't know. Seems kind of weird. Well, maybe also they're compromising and the Dietzes know what the house is worth and maybe what the, the changes the Dietzes made weren't really worth what it was. Yeah. And maybe because they had to get it reconstructed because a giant sandworm crashed through it, they're just putting it back the way it was. Maybe. I don't know. I just kind of wonder. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but that's what's happening is it's getting put back the way that it was. Lydia apparently has been taking pictures of the town so that Adam can update and keep his model the way that it's supposed to be, which is his fun little hobby. And Barbara and Adam are clearly raising Lydia as parents because they actually help her study. They study with her for the math test. They're checking up on her homework and making sure that she's doing everything that she's doing. They they double check how what her grades were recently. Yeah. And they even reward her hard work and studying with great old school possession to help her do the dancing sequence. Apparently, it's a lot of fun to get possessed by the Maitlands because everybody likes it and it's a reward for Lydia. I would want to do it. (laughs) Charles is actually reading The Living and the Dead, a harmonious lifestyles and peaceful coexistence book, which is from the author of the handbook for the recently deceased. Deceased, Cord. Sorry, sorry. Deceased. It's actually published by the same handbook for the recently deceased deceased press. Right. I'm going to start saying disease now. <laughs> You're going to say it too, just yeah. to get on my nerves? All right, fair enough. And I love how he gets startled by Delia's new sculpture, which is Beetlejuice's snake head. So Delia actually can sculpt because she recreated that perfectly. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that is actual art. <laughs> Lydia continues to do her dance, and then we get a little bit of a coda of what happens to Beetlejuice in our final clip. Hey! Sorry, just you sitting there. Women. I don't know what her problem is. Normally chicks. Pardon me. Did you do that? Very nice work. Let me ask you something. How do you get them down so small? Hey, there goes Elvis! Yo, King! Well, looks like I'm next. Good thing, too. I gotta do a photo shoot for GQ in about an hour and a half. Yeah, they've been after me for months. Doing some kind of underwear deal. I don't know what... Whoa. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, stop it! Hey, you're messing up here! Come on! Whoa! Whoa! Stop it! Whoa! Hey, this might be a good look for me. Chuck, chuck. And so Beetlejuice gets his head shrunk and we cut back and we see Lydia doing her dance and then the football players from earlier in the movie are behind her on the staircase. They're doing the dance as well. Yeah. 
I don't know why they're there. Are they hanging out with the Dietzes now too, or are they just coming over to have a good time? I think they're just coming over for a good time. <laughs> Either way, at that point, the film is over with, and we roll credits. Uh, okay, now here's the part where we can kind of really gush about the film a little bit more. And I just so deeply a part of my childhood, man. Yeah. I still very vividly remember the theater experience of going to see it with my family and knowing that I was the only one in my family that loved the movie and didn't care. <laughs> That nobody else was having a good old time. And I still don't remember how it ended up being suggested that we go or what it was that made my parents decide that they were going to take us. I just remember like not knowing anything about the movie at that age, being taken to it and just being so enamored with it. Does your sister remember going? I think so, yeah. This movie, Beetlejuice, is what made me a lifelong Tim Burton fan. Yeah. Like once I started seeing other movies that he made that I could very clearly tell the design work from, it was this movie that made me a lifelong fan of Tim Burton. And this is fresh off of him making Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which nobody really realizes that's a Tim Burton film. Yeah. Hmm. It was his first movie, but when you see the sequence where the clowns come and destroy his bike and stuff, yeah, that nightmare sequence is very clearly Tim Burton. I think I uh, blocked that from my memory. What the? Cl- oh yeah, clowns, clowns. right? <laughs> clowns are not your yeah. thing. <laughs> but this movie still like holds up. I mean, watching it today, it's still yeah. Even though we're super picky about everything, and even when we were watching it, like nitpicking it and discussing it back and forth, talking, I mean, it still really holds up. Yeah. Some really cool stuff, so. I don't know anybody that actually hates this movie. I'm sure there are people out there that are not um, fans yeah, of Beetlejuice. Sure but they're probably not in our age group. I think if you saw it when you were, it's one of those movies where if you saw it when you're a kid, you love it no matter what. Yeah. And I think if you watch it as an, like at an older age, I can see where you might nitpick it, but there's even still stuff that you could probably enjoy like that. Yeah. And I mean, I just, for me, I don't think Tim Burton ever got this good again. <laughs> You don't think so? No, I have a really hard time. I mean, maybe Sleepy Hollow I love as much as this. Yeah. But I still have parts of Sleepy Hollow that I have a problem with that, you know, I don't enjoy as much that kind of drag for me. But that was like a straight up Tim Burton horror film, though. Yeah. And I really do love Mars Attacks as well. But like once I realized that, you know, there's one specific guy that was a driving force behind this, like I really loved Tim Burton stuff. And it took a really long time before I soured on him. I think probably about the time of Big Fish is when I soured on Tim Burton. Oh, yeah. I think I'll saw that once yeah it's not that it wasn't a good movie it's just that it didn't appeal to me and it was sad and mopey and touchy-feely and you know me and emotions they don't work out too well with me what (laughs) um this one's so much fun and i don't know it's got good great characters and actors and actresses are great yeah i don't know it's hard to find anything you don't like about this movie do you like Catherine o'hara in this more than any other roles that she's done can you think of anything that you've seen her in that you like her more than as delia i don't know she's pretty great in this <laughs> uh what else has she been in well the mother in schitt's creek i think would well, probably be myra yeah myra i love her in that. myra myra <laughs> um i kind of like her in this more than myra in schitt's creek okay um, you didn't really watch a lot of the Christopher Guest movies that she was in, like those fake mockumentaries, like A Mighty Wind and stuff like no, that? No, I'm not a huge fan of those. Yeah, I'm more of a fan of those, I think, than you are. Yeah. I think you just feel sorry for all those people and you don't find the humor in their lives <laughs> like I do. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, I want to help them all. <laughs> you have too much empathy for that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just not my style of comedy, I guess. Yeah, it's a little more dry, too. Yeah. yeah I can see that. <laughs> what about Kevin McAllister's mom trying to get back to save Kevin in uh, Home Alone? Oh, yeah, I forgot that was her. <laughs> yeah, because she does get a little bit flustered in that as well. Yeah. yeah. The best is when she's freaking out and screaming at people because she's really good at that. She's really good at that. <laughs> I mean, we don't really get that when she's in Shit's Creek, though. She does have a few meltdown moments, but mostly she's overly and heavily medicated or drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I see the outfits come back, but... 
Yeah. We kind of talked about it, like where she has the glove tied around her head. And yeah. that glove actually, I think, is the long glove that she's wearing in the dinner party. I didn't mention that part. Yeah. But I think it's that same long glove that she just tied around her head as a headband. So she finds a way to like accessorize out of various things that she probably shouldn't accessorize out of. <laughs> and like, I'll never not be able to see that sweater upside down from here on out and be weirded out by it. Yeah. I'm never not going to see that from here on out. <laughs> Uh, I think the best part and the thing that I love the most is all the stuff in the afterworld and the whole like bureaucratic like office setting and the waiting room and all those people in there. Yeah. I mean, I really, really love that. And we heard it in the the final clip there where Beetlejuice is rubbing the legs of the one girl that was cut in half. And he's sitting on either side of her. Mm-hmm. And I guess from what I've read, that was Tim Burton. Uh, his girlfriend at the time was the lower half of the legs. I don't know if that was when he was still dating Lisa Marie or if they were dating that far back or not, who ended up in a lot of his movies. But basically, Beetlejuice was feeling up Tim Burton's girlfriend's legs the whole time, and Tim Burton was directing the scene. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way that the lady on the other side reacts when she hits him. Yeah. You know, and then he's all like victim blaming, where he's like, I don't know what her problem was. I was just touching her inappropriately against her will. <laughs> Which is essentially what he's saying. Women, right? I mean, oh, God, they're not allowed to touch them without, you know, their consent. Oh. Well, it's just a pair of legs to him. <laughs> well, that's all women are to most men is just a pair of legs, though. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't mean me, sweetie. I'm just saying that men are pigs. Not all men are pigs. <laughs> uh, I feel like you're going to accuse me of something later when we're done recording. <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to say about the movie before we close out the show? Because we're good if you're good. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It's just a great movie. If you haven't watched it, but you listen to us talk about it the entire time, damn it, go watch the freaking movie. It's amazing. If it's been a while since you've seen it and you felt like you didn't need to go see it again, go watch it again. Yeah, as I say, go watch it again. It's so much fun. Yeah, if we didn't watch it just before we recorded, like if we would have watched it the night before, I would almost want to go watch it again with you just because we had so much fun talking about it. Yeah. I don't know. It's definitely one of those movies you can watch over and over again. Yeah, because, hey, Beetlejuice is on. (laughs) Beetlejuice. (laughs) All right, folks, that's going to be it for us tonight. We're going to take one last break here. We're going to play a promo for another podcast. We'll play a little bit more music from Beetlejuice, and then we will close out this show. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to the discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. Shake it all the time. Work, 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 Sinora. Work your body liner. Work, work, 
Work, Sonora, work it all the time. My girl's name is Sonora. I tell you, friends, I adore her. And when she dances, oh brother, she's a hurricane in all kinds of weather. Jump in the line, rock your body and time. Okay, I believe you. Jump in the line, rock your body and time. Okay, I believe you. Jump in the line, rock your body and time. Okay, I believe you. Jump in the line, rock your body and time. I could sing that song all night. <laughs> now that I know that you like it, I might save these files for you so you can actually listen to Harry Belafonte singing sure. this stuff. <laughs> yeah, that guy in the promo sounded a lot like my husband. <laughs> that was your husband. <laughs> I didn't do the actual like production work where uh, you know all the added effects and the background music and all of that. Yeah. But uh, Derek at the time for Monster Kid Radio was asking people to record like various announcer voices and stuff like that, and I jumped on it. I'm like, oh, dude, you know me and my friends. We all do these weird voices and stuff, and I do a pretty decent Peter Laurie. You want me to give that a shot? And he was like, oh, sure, man, go ahead. And he ended up using that, and he used one that we recorded where I had uh, our friend Sean from, at the time, Geek Chat Army, which is now defunct, record like a old-timey newsy one, and I use both oh, of yeah, those whenever I play them. Yeah. <laughs> so... That's funny. Yeah, I forgot that I didn't even tell you that I did that promo yeah. like ages ago, and I just picked it just because I do that. <laughs> okay. That sounds like you. that. Yeah. All right, folks, if you would like me to do a promo, you know how to find me. I am cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com, or you can twit a tweet at me at court underscore psyop for the Twitters. You can find the show on its main page, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. There's a Facebook group where you can post alternative photography, various weird memes, and just any kind of crazy stuff. You know where to find Matt if you want to, but God, what'd you want to? If you just want Matt to quit the show and have Bev hired on full-time as my co-host, you should email him, psyopmatt at gmail.com, and tell him so. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> he has nothing else to live for but this no. show. We don't want to take that away from him. <laughs> All right, I'd like to thank you once again, Bev, for joining me in the studio to help me cover a week's episode and for recording with me. I always have fun when we do this. I know you're always still a little nervous and everything, but I hope yeah. you enjoy it more and more. Are you going to pay me now or later? <laughs> I have to pay you for this? Yeah. Okay, we're going to end the show now because I can't <laughs> afford your, your hourly rate for work right? for this kind of stuff. All right, folks, thank you once again for downloading and listening to this episode. Kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. Bye. Nora dances Calypso. Left to right is the tempo. And when she gets the sensation, she go up in the air, come down in slow motion. Jump in the line, rock Okay, I believe you jump in the line, rock time. Somebody help me. Jump in the line, rock time. Okay, I believe you jump in the line, rock time. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake your body line. Shake, 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 Sinora, shake it all the time. Work, 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 Sinora. I say, let us put man and a woman together to find out which one is smarter. <laughs> Some say men, but I say no. The women, but the men, be they should know. You didn't turn off your phone. It just went off. Way to be professional. <laughs> Please silence your phone, sir. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't get picked up on the mic, so we're good. <laughs> Lost my place. Give me a second. Sorry. I'm not saying anything about that. <laughs>
<laughs> not on mic, huh? Not my taste. Yeah. Okay, I'll be more polite. Her <laughs> art is not my taste because I don't like garbage. Very PC of you, Court. <laughs> I don't like garbage. Hey, it's garbage so art, man. It's not a good right, sculpture. Move on. Move on. <laughs> It's the kind of thing if somebody had it in their garden, I'd ask them if we could shoot it. <laughs> You're just like, stop making fun of art, Court. Art is expression. Art is beautiful. Come on, you know you want to rip on her art. You still want me on the show? <laughs> I love you, sweetie. <laughs> All right, where was I before I started ripping on her horrible art? Damn it. I can't hear you shake your head, sweetie. Oh, I'm shaking my head. <laughs> I agree. I can't see you shake your head, oh, sweetie. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Want a cigarette? I'm trying to cut down myself. <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed too, but when they actually, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see it later on. It's not here just yet, but <laughs> yeah, I really would like you to give that one a try sometime. That'd be pretty fun. Even if I have to help, you know, paint your body with makeup. Oh, would you help me with that? <laughs> what? You twist your arm for that. <laughs> you might have to we, twist we my arm have to, to get... start at like noon. <laughs> get ready for the party. Hour seven of court hand painting Bev's body. <laughs> No, I think in that case we would have to use like a like a spray um, makeup, you know, like it would have to be like an airbrush or something along those lines. Yeah, we're not gonna, gonna do that. Yeah, you weren't here for that clip. You ran off to the bathroom. Whoops. <laughs> Otho ends up stealing the handbook for the recently diseased. East Court, come on. What? Deceased. Deceased? Deceased. God, why did I keep writing that wrong? I don't know how you can read your chicken scratch anyway. <laughs> Probably the problem. Yeah. I cannot read my own handwriting. You're not wrong. I don't think anybody can. Nope. I should be used as a cipher. <laughs> you don't need encryption when you've got my horrible handwriting. Nope. But, uh, Nancy, taking your head, sweetie. I'm listening to you. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to cut that in since you don't say yeah and you just shake your head. I'm just going to cut it in. Either that or I'm going to put yeah. 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 You have that for Matt? Where do you like plus? What? This? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our friend Ricky kept saying yeah on the show. And that's his voice? Yeah. And I dropped it down a pitch. So it sounded more like, yeah. you know, like he says like he went, yeah. Uh, because we were talking about people being or like chicks being nude. And so he just kept going, Yeah. <laughs> So. Well, now I don't want to say it. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. I love picking on you. Dudes. <laughs> dudes. Dudes yeah. liking naked girls and stuff unless they're into other dudes. <laughs> yeah. That is actual art. <laughs> it looks like something that makes sense. <laughs> Does it? Yes, it's Beetlejuice's head. Yeah, but you, no one else will know that. Nah, but it's still clearly a head. Mm. <laughs> it's the snake head. Yeah, it's modern art. <laughs> no, I it's not modern that's art. That's not modern art. That's classic sculpture, yeah. yeah. I just don't like modern art. I don't like abstract or any of that I kind know, of stuff. I it don't just... either. Move on. Move on, Court. <laughs> Stop hating on modern art, Court. Yeah. Yeah.